0: This is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative.
1: Ooh, you're my best friend.
0: 77 WABC.
2: The decision to reconstitute the Gilgo
3: investigation. What went into that? And what made you think we could we could un-cold, that we could unfreeze this case? So when I became the Suffolk County Police Commissioner, uh, one of the first things I did was sit down with my homicide lieutenant and I asked him to brief me on the case. Kevin Byer knew this case cold. The one thing that I was uncomfortable with is he was still catching other cases. So that's when I said, hey, listen, give me your best guys. They're not going to catch any more cases. They're going to be assigned to a task force, and they're going to make sure going forward their main focus is looking at Gilgo.
2: Edward Caban has officially been sworn in as the 46th police commissioner. He's now the city's first Latino police commissioner. Caban has served the department since 1991 and took over after Keyshawn Sewell resigned last month.
4: As the mayor of the city of New York, I'm proud to appoint Edward Caban to be the next police commissioner of the New York City Police Department. My journey with the NYPD began over 32 years ago, a young Puerto Rican kid from Parkchester, standing on a footpost in the South Bronx, just like thousands who came before me and thousands who have come after me.
5: The U.S. Attorney for Manhattan is calling for an outside authority to address problems at Rikers Island. Federal Prosecutor Damian Williams says his office intends to seek the appointment of a court-appointed receiver to address conditions at the New York City Jail. The mayor's office released a statement tonight saying its efforts have led to double-digit reductions in stabbings, assaults, use of force incidents, and drug recoveries.
6: Is there anyone on that stage you see as potential running mate? I said 15, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I think
2: you have yeah, some good people on the stage. Actually, I think you have some very talented people. Saquon didn't get the news. He wanted the Giants didn't get the news, and if they wanted Giants fans didn't get the news. They wanted really nobody won here with Saquon Boston not getting a long-term extension.
7: Say something right at the top here, 6.05 on your Tuesday morning. That I know is not going to be popular with the Latino community. I just don't care. Anybody else? I see Noam in the newsroom, Lou Rufino in the studio. Anybody else? Franchise Lou, Franchise Lou. Anybody else in the studio's? sick and tired like I am of hearing about where you're from, what your nationality is, what your religion is. All I want from Eddie Caban is be a really good police commissioner. Be like Bill Bratton. Be like Bernard Carrick. Be like Ray Kelly. Sewell could have been great, but she was there for about 15 minutes. And I wasn't a huge fan of... Of a couple of Irish boys, here I go, Jimmy O'Neill and Dermache. But anybody else kind of tired of that? The first, this, Puerto Rican, Latino, God, who cares? First thing I heard yesterday. And and I know, well, Sid, you just don't get it. There's a million little kids right now in Washington Heights, Puerto Rican kids, who think now they've got to, oh, shut up, God. Can we ever get to the point we stop doing that? Here he is. 30-plus years on the force, decorated police officer, and just the perfect guy for the job, Eddie Caban. Not Puerto Rican Eddie, not Latino Eddie, not black Keyshawn Sewell, not female Keyshawn Sewell, not the first black, first Puerto Rican, first, 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 first. I just don't care. So I hate to pee on everybody's parade in the morning, especially if you're Latino, but I just don't care. Tell me you're going to be a good police commissioner. Tell me you're going to reduce crime in this city. Tell me that the rank and file are going to respect you and put their lives on the line for you every day. And I don't give a rat's ass if you're Puerto Rican, Jewish. I don't care. I don't wake up every single day hoping to God we get the first Jewish president. I just don't care. I mean, I'm serious, Lou. Oh, my God. Joe Lieberman, he's Jewish. He's a vice president. I like Joe Lieberman. No, Smart I like guy. You. I like you, too. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. I mean, that's fine. If you're Puerto Rican, and you're excited about it. I mean, good for you. It's just dumb. He's the right guy for the job. Let's just do that. Even right now I'm reading New York one, Mayor Adams names Edward Caban, NYPD's first Latino police commissioner.
1: Oh my god. It
7: doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop. So if any caban sucks, let's say he sucks. Is that a blemish on the Puerto Ricans? Good point. Good, good point. No, are you tired of this at all? I mean, I know you have to report it as the news director, but can we stop first Gender, race, creed, nationality. Can we just stop that and congratulate Eddie Caban on being the 46th police commissioner rather than a Puerto Rican police commissioner?
0: Yeah, well, you can say, look, he's been a cop for 30 years. He right? went up through the ranks. He's the one that deserves the job. Sure.
7: That's it. It just, it's its nauseating to me, you know? But listen, if he's happy and the Puerto Rican community are happy, God bless him. But we need to get to that point where we stop identifying. That's my point here. We need to stop identifying. Do you realize that there have been the exact same amount of police commissioners as presidents of the United States? 46. Yesterday, Caban became the 46th police commissioner, and Joe Biden, as we stand, is the 46th president. Do you realize that? Well, he doesn't. <laughs> you know, Joe doesn't, no. <laughs> but I didn't either till I just heard it. And I only think about that because I remember when I introduced uh, Donald Trump. You may want to get that, Lewis. One of those two Donald Trump promos. I actually said, here he is, the 45th President of the United States, and soon to be the 47th President of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump. forty-six. That's the number to bet today. That's the lucky number, 46 police commissioners and 46 presidents. Is that uh, ready to uh, rock and roll there, Lewis?
8: I'm making sure I have the right one.
7: Yeah, there's two of them. You're right. One of them we – I forget what the other one we even talk about. But uh, here it is. The number 46 is a big number
8: today.
0: Sit in Friends in the Morning, talk with Donald Trump. People listen.
7: The 45th President of the United States and soon to be the 47th President of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump. Mr. President, good morning. How are you, pal? Hello,
0: Sid. Here are the
7: Hello, Sid. Days.
0: Anytime at wabcradio.com. Well, I appreciate it. And you are number one, and you're a great guy, All right. a great friend. And take
7: you. care of
5: yourself. And we'll speak to you again soon. All right. Thank and you, Mr. President. Damn right, I'm number one.
0: <laughs>
7: so uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, who I'm going to, um, I think, speak to today. We spoke yesterday a bit about Caban, and it was just between him and I. But he did uh, introduce Eddie as a new police commissioner. Everybody seems to like Caban, even Curtis Slewa who is quick to criticize every move the mayor makes. He is on record weeks ago saying Caban should be the guy. He is the guy. And here is the mayor introducing Eddie just yesterday. Lewis, this is cut number one.
4: As the mayor of the city of New York, I'm proud to appoint Edward Caban to be the next police commissioner of the New York City Police Department. Surprised
7: you didn't call him Puerto Rican, Eddie. And I'm proud to introduce, as the next police commissioner, Puerto Rican Eddie. <laughs>
8: I would call him P.R.E. That's
7: how I used to talk to him. So Eddie goes right to the Hispanic thing, right off the bat. Here he is, the new commissioner during the presser yesterday, Edward Caban. This would be cut number three, Lewis. Cut number three. Thank
4: you, Mr. Mayor. I am humbled to be on your team. To Have your trust and support, and to lead the greatest police department on the globe. Now, it's not lost on me that today's announcement is also a first. Ay, ay, ay. Given how many great leaders of Hispanic descent have come before me in the NYPD to be the first Hispanic police commissioner, it's an honor of the highest this measure. Stop.
7: Now, number four, he continues. I'm the only person in media. That's going to point this out today, which some of you out there driving right now go, this is why Sid is number one. He's a genius. <laughs> Others will be like, why is Sid crapping on the parade? It's a great thing. He's a Latino. I've had enough of it. That's all. I think
8: you're one of the first Jewish geniuses. <laughs> yeah,
7: on yeah, radio. Yeah, that's what You're I'm, right. Yeah. He keeps going with this. This is uh, Eddie Caban, cut number four.
4: My journey with the NYPD began over 32 years ago. A young Puerto Rican kid from Parkinson's. There it is. Just stop.
7: 32 years ago, a young Puerto Rican. I mean, you gotta, you gotta give me some credit here. Come on. Come on. Everybody else gonna kowtow and all the panda and be like, oh, this is so great. This is so great. A young Puerto Rican kid. Not a great police guy. Not the guy perfect for the job. No, I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> and now he's a role model, too. This is Eddie Caban, cut number two.
4: Today, I hope there is a young man, a college student, or a military veteran, aye, aye, aye. who hears about my new assignment today, aye, 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 and it sparks the question, aye. what if? What if? What yeah. if? What if? What
7: if? <laughs> <laughs> what if you were Irish? Boy, <laughs> uh, well, you'd be good
4: shape. Yeah,
7: because yeah, uh, right. you had two in a row before Caban and Sewell. So we'll we'll first lady, first black, command first Latino. This is fantastic. We don't care if they're good at their job. God, we don't care about that. No. Look at Kamala Harris, what a fine job she's doing. Black and a woman. Two boxes. Two. And look how great she is. (laughs) (laughs) So my favorite cut of the day is my man Charles Barkley. Charles, of course, Hall of Fame professional basketball player, does that TNT Sports Basketball pre- and post-game show with Ernie Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny Smith, and others. Now he's got a new show, I believe, starting in September on CNN with Gail King. Uh, The King and I or something like that. Did you know that? You didn't know that, Louis? Nope. Yeah, Gail King and Charles Barkley. I'm fascinated already. So I used to cover this golf tournament in Lake Tahoe for three consecutive years, Back in the late 1990s, with my first ever radio partner, Scott Kaplan. You guys have heard Scott on this show with me and Bernard. God rest my partner, Soul, and me. Scott's a great guy. He was my first ever radio partner before Craig Carton. And we just go out to Lake Tahoe every year and cover this amazing Celebrity golf tournament. There is not a tournament in the country that comes even close when you talk about big time guest lists. Not even close. And Barkley has been out there forever. We partied with Barkley uh, at a place uh, called Harvey's, a casino, at a nightclub out there. Barkley, not a very good golfer for a guy that plays as much as he does, but he drinks a lot too. Don't forget that. So Barkley is in Lake Tahoe last weekend, and he's on stage somewhere. I don't know. But for some reason, Charles Barkley did something almost no one else is doing. And that is he defended Bud Light this during this crazy Dylan Mulvaney controversy. And he starts cursing out rednecks and a whole bunch of folks. I wasn't there. I can't tell you whether he drank a lot, drank it all. But it sounds to me like Barkley is having a real good time. This is Charles Barkley going after the rednecks and defending Bud Light in Lake Tahoe. Cut number 15.
1: I'm going to buy some drinks for y'all. And I'm going to buy Bud Light. Hey, and let me tell you something. All you rednecks or assholes who don't want to drink Bud Light. Excuse me. Y'all. Hey, y'all can't counsel me. Hey. I ain't worried about getting canceled. Because let me tell you something, if y'all fire me and give me all that money, I'm gonna be playing golf every <laughs> day. So listen, as I said last night, if you're gay, God bless you. If you're trans, God bless you. And if you have a problem with them, f*** you. Yeah. There
7: you have it, folks. Charles Barkley, just a rant defending gays, transgenders, Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light. No one seems to know why. But, of course, the biggest story still remains the Gilgore murderers. I think of all the interviews I've seen with Suffolk County DA Ray Tierney, and I've seen a bunch, none of them, and please don't get angry with me, none of them come even close, even close to the interview I did with Tierney yesterday. Not even close. They all ask the same exact questions. So Rodney Harrison, the Suffolk County Police Commissioner, who will join us on this show tomorrow, he was on with my dear friend Brian Kilmeade on Fox News yesterday. And Brian asked him straight out, when did you come to the realization that Rex in this creep, was the killer? This is Rodney Harrison, Courtesy of Box News, Lewis,
3: cut number five.
2: When did you realize
3: this is more than just a possibility? It's him. And how long did you follow him before you grabbed him? Yeah, so uh, we found out the avalanche was connected to him in around March, maybe early April. And, and then we started uh, diving a little bit more deeper into uh, who this individual was. We found out he was an architect and uh, some other things. And then we uh, were able to do some phone records and some uh, other Background check with how he uses his credit cards, and look at his at his family, and he has a wife and two kids, and just his his, his lifestyle. And uh, we 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 started getting closer and closer, saying, "Hey, this may be our person." And uh, speaking to Detective Lieutenant Kevin Byer, who um, oversaw the task force, uh, who did a phenomenal job. And I want to thank my partners that helped us out. Uh, we were able to get him into custody.
7: So one of the things that struck me in my conversation with Tioni yesterday, two things really. One was the Chevy. Remember Nancy Grace was on this show yesterday saying, of all the clues, hair strand, DNA, pizza crust, burner phones, all of it, she thought the car was the biggest clue, and Curtis caught this great job by Curtis. At one point, Tiony told me in studio they found the car in South Carolina not outside his house in Massapequa Park. There was no follow-up. Not sure why that was the case. That was one thing that struck me. The other was, during the conversation, Tiony told to me, said to me, I should say, that Uriman had 92 gun permits. And I said, wow. So he clearly had weapons in the house. And Tiony said yes. At one point yesterday, the number was about 200 guns. Now, today, they've amended it to possibly 300 guns. Rodney Harrison did have that conversation with Kilmeade yesterday. This will be cut number seven.
3: The decision to it's over 200 guns. Uh, he had an arsenal in his uh, in a vault that he had downstairs. So uh, it's concerning uh, regarding the guns being registered or um, legal or not. That's something that we're still taking a, a, a look at. But uh, uh, anytime somebody has that type of uh arsenal we, we we have some concerns how about that
7: over 200 now they're saying maybe 300 guns in a safe downstairs rex your man and finally the last thing you heard on the open this morning put together brilliantly by justin Ellick, was the saquon barkley Giants saga Now, yesterday, with all the news going on, we did find time to put on My Dear Friend. Covers the New York football Giants on a daily basis for the New York Post. Also wrote my first book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly, Paul Schwartz. And Schwartz talked about the possibility of the Giants signing running back Saquon Barkley to a long-term deal before the deadline, 4 p.m. yesterday. Well, the deadline did come at 4 p.m. yesterday, and as we thought... There was no long-term deal. This is Ian Rappaport,
2: cut number 16. Saquon did not get the news he wanted. The Giants didn't get the news that they wanted. Giants fans didn't get the news they wanted. Really, nobody won here with Saquon Barkley not getting a long-term extension. The reality is, Patrick, the Giants tried. And I'm not just talking about today. I'm talking about really going back. The bye week last year, they made a substantial offer. In February, before Daniel Jones ended up getting his long-term deal, they made an ex- uh, ex- extensive offer, try to get a deal done then. Then he changed agents, Maybe a little bit of a restart, but the reality was they never quite got back to where they were. In the end, the Giants made several proposals. Saquon Barkley and his new team at CAA made several proposals. On I mean, the guaranteed money, maybe they were kind of close. APY-wise, never really... This deal did not get done. Now expect him to be absent at the start of training camp, and we'll see him when we see him. And in the words of Saquon Barkley, guys, it is what it is.
7: It is what it is. So I don't think he'll do what Le'Veon Bell did with the Pittsburgh Steelers back in 2019. Le'Veon got good money from the Jets, but was never the same. I do think Saquon Barkley will play. I do think he'll be out there week one, excuse me, when the Giants host the Dallas Cowboys that first Sunday night. Before Aaron Rodgers and the Jets take on the Bills that first Monday night. But I do not expect to see Saquon Barkley play in the preseason or show up at practice anytime soon. Big guest list about to come your way today. From Newsweek Magazine, my friend Bacha Sorgon, Curtis Slewa Bo Deedle, Arthur Idala, Carrie Lake, Judge George Grasso, and more. Tuesday morning with your favorite talk show host in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 W.A.B.C.
1: Seventy seven WABC.
0: Boy. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Seventy seven WABC.
1: I can still shut down a party. I can hang with anybody. I can drink whiskey. Champagne all that, little sketch on the rocks, and I'm fine, I'm fine. But when I taste tequila, baby, I still see ya. Cutting up the Florida sorority t shirt, the same one you wore when we were. Sky high in Colorado, lips pressed against the bottom.
7: There's a restaurant where uh, Lou and I live. We talked about it before. It's named Callie's. <clears throat> and actually, NFL, not NFL, pro basketball Hall of Famer Chris Mullen, his brother Terrence, was a great guy, Is one of the owners, Terrence and Tommy and Brian. And you sit outside on the corner of 129. They just redid the whole place. It's actually really pretty. And, um, you know, it's, it's not um, fancy but it's also not diner food, and it's good. They make good roast it's beef nice sandwiches. Place. Yeah, Mike Sullivan from Brennan Court taught him how to make a roast beef sandwich, and they make a nice Tex-Mex salad and wings. And So long story short, last night it's me, Danielle, Gabriel, and his friend Willie, and we're having dinner, and they uh, they play the music really loud, and I like that, sitting outside. And they're always playing this country station. And that song came on, Dan and Shay, and it reminded me years ago how much I liked that song, Tequila. About the same time, I liked the song Sangria by Blake Shelton, so it's no surprise I've been to rehab twice. All these songs with liquor, but that's what country music guys do. So I spent the next 20 minutes with Gabe and Willie explaining to them why country music is the best and why these artists are the best, because all they sing about is... Trucks and broken hearts and liquor and he ain't talking about killing cops and banging hoes and shoving drugs up their ass and all this stuff that, you know, hip-hop guys do. If I made it about race, I didn't because Eminem is white. But the the, the caliber of musician and the caliber of people, these are great Americans. They love this country. It's just night and day, night and day. And I think I got him. So I asked uh, Gabe's friend Willie, If I walk around New York City now every day like the Iron Man did wearing a cowboy hat. And he said yes. So we'll see today if I really did transform Willie into a country music enthusiast and walk around looking like an idiot like I did. When did that start? What was that all about? A long time ago. What was it? What happened? He just showed up one day with a cowboy hat on? I wasn't there for the transition.
8: Yeah, it was... Uh, that not much surprised me. It just... I, guess I know, just but he, he
7: was a regular rock... I mean, he was doing rock and roll stuff on VH1, and he just walked into work
8: one day with a holster and a cowboy hat? <laughs> well, I then, don't get it. That didn't just happen, but it's... It, look, he was uh, from out west. His brother lived in Texas. fried Freddie. Freddy. God rest his soul. Yeah, or Santa yeah. Fe. Or, or Santa Fe, I think. I forget, where, Fe, I I think, forget yeah. where Fred yeah. was, where he ended really, up. Well, he lived in a couple of
7: places. Yeah. He but, lived in a trailer with no roof, but
8: yeah, lucky <laughs> so live yeah. anywhere. Oh, actually, but that's it. started. it just happened. And it he just would, happened, and then he would, and then he would uh, extol the virtues of having. Look, I got this hat at this place. Yeah, then he got nuts. Manhattan, yeah, and then I got these boots and then with I, Justin boots. Yeah, okay, on
7: and on with Justin boots. Okay. Yeah, they look great. Well, they I do love good. country, and I, that, that Dan and Chase song okay. is is a favorite of mine. So after I was done having dinner. I realized that last night was a big night for Fox News. The new lineup started last night. And that has our old friend Laura Ingram moving from 10 p.m. to 7 p.m. Jesse Waters, my guy, I'm on once a month, moving from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Sean Hannity stays at 9 And the unfunny Greg Gutfeld goes from late night to 10 p.m. And look, I love Sean Hannity. The guy was very good to me, uh, put me on his radio show when I was struggling down in Miami, reached out to me, helped promote my books. I love Sean. But every now and then, because Fox News gets caught up in nonsense, like this cocaine story, you watch some of these shows, and I really believe you get dumber by the second. So here's a scenario. We have two very bright people, Sean Hannity And somebody I really love, who I hope to God Donald Trump makes his campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway. Right, two really smart people. Sean Hannity, Kellyanne Conway, new lineup, Fox News, big night last night. In fact, there was a third guest, or a second guest, I should say, and that was Bush's old guy. What's his name again? Ari Fleischer. Right, Ari Fleischer. So they start talking about the cocaine in the White House. Let me make this very, very clear I know they're trying to attach it to Hunter so that I guess it becomes criminal and he can't, whatever. I don't know. But the more they talk about this cocaine in the White House, the dumber they all sound. And as impossible as this seems, two very smart people, Sean Hannity and Kellyanne Conway, may have had the dumbest television conversation I've ever heard last night when they were both, trying to make an argument that the cocaine found in the White House is actually important. I mean, this is, you literally get dumber by the second. I'll play it for you right now. You tell me, Lou, if you agree. Hannity Kellyanne Conway, cut number 12.
9: It was hardly even interrogation. I mean, the crime here is worse than the cover-up, but the cover-up's pretty bad. Ari and I walked through that West Exec entrance probably thousands of times in our respective White House careers, and we know where those lockers are. We know everything in the complex, Sean and Ari, 24-7 on camera. I don't think it's that difficult to narrow the circle the of West people wing. who were in that area. Not the West Wing. Uh, in that area, it could have been somebody on the tour. It could have been anybody. The fact right. is... That you don't close something this vital to the national interest in the West Wing, to Ari's point, close what? to where the president works and lives, yeah. within 10 days. Why? We looked for Russia collusion yes. for three years. We couldn't spend three months on an investigation. No. And, and by the way, Stupid. 193 kids under the age of five have died of accidental fentanyl poisoning Look at this stretch. recently. Look at this stretch. Why? Because tiny little grains are left around <laughs> ah, unbeknownst to them. This could hurt somebody. Oh, stop. This is yeah. this is an illicit drug in the West Wing, oh. and it should be taken more seriously. But Sean, I think anthrax? that dime of cocaine. Yeah, this, what oh, if it was, it was anthrax? I had it Lace nailed to my on. house. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Scare,
7: and Scary. And it could time. be
9: any of that. We don't uh, By the way, we don't stop. even what know what
7: if this was anthrax. Is what? Which it's not anthrax. We know it's not anthrax. If it was, then we can start talking about national security implications. What if it was anthrax? It was blow, Sean. It was a little bit of cocaine. You want to go on and on every single night, desperately trying to attach it to Hunter Biden? We know Hunter Biden does coke. We got it. And yes, if in fact it turns out to be his coke, then he's got some real legal issues. We get that. We get that. But I always thought the Hunter Biden stuff was all about one guy, not Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. Right? All the things that Hunter has done, we're all hoping at least, smart Republicans, There's a tie to Joe Biden. We don't care how much cocaine Hunter does, how many prostitutes he has sex with. We don't care. You're going to sit there, Sean Hannity and Kellyanne Conway, two smart people, and try to convince the American public that this is an important story and they should keep the case open. Could be, it could be, as as Kellyanne Conway said, thousands of people walk through there every day. Who cares? It wasn't anthrax, Sean. It was cocaine. I'm sorry. It is beyond stupid. But this is why two million people at best watch Fox News. Because what kind of sane, rational person is going to sit there and watch this, especially a conversation about that? Beyond stupid. Traffic with Joe Nolan and my friend Bacha ungar Sorgon from Newsweek are both coming up. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes, download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's minicast is from the other side of midnight. This is my boy Frank Murano, the brilliant Frank Murano. Here Frank talks with Tom Shaluro about the Gilgo Beach killer.
10: What did we know about these remains that had been found on Gilgo Beach? What did we know about the victims? Well, give us sort of the the background before there was an arrest made.
2: Yeah,
0: most of the the victims were sex workers. Most of them advertised um, when Craigslist was taking those type of ads, if you remember. And uh, they certainly were doing very well. People were calling into them. A few of the victims came out of New Jersey, a couple came out of upstate, and they, they they would put these ads out there and they would find the johns. They would find the customers uh, that would uh, eventually procure them for their services. Entertaining and informative. This is "Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Senator, why are you considering this third-party presidential
5: run? We're not considering anything. We're not putting anything on the table and taking anything off the table. What well, we're basically you're consign- not
11: you're not taking a well, presidential no, no. Runoff we're, we're, the table we're, with what no we're ta- what
5: we're talking about here is that no labels is something I've believed in for a long time, trying to bring people together. And I they're, got involved.
2: They're building, if I may, though, a seventy million dollars presidential ballot access.
11: There's an insurance here.
5: policy that they're building in case. But you know, if you can move the the parties, I believe in America' promises. I don't believe in the promises from the two parties we have right now because they've gone so far to the left and the right. Okay.
7: Can't believe you're playing Abacab. Great song. Phil Collins and Genesis. A shout-out to my buddy from the Oasis Diner. We love it there. and Avenue, George Liberatos. 648. That was Joe Manchin out of West Virginia, and that kind of gets us into our first guest. Had a great guest list today, folks. Curtis Slewa Bo Deedle, I think Bernard Carrick, Arthur Idala, Carrie Lake, Judge George Grasso, but my next guest, or my first guest, I should say, a couple of weeks ago, the last time I was on Brian Kilmeade's fine show, One Nation, every Saturday night, 8 p.m. on Fox News, Brian Kilmeade's One Nation, we had, uh, he had two guests that night. It was me and a young lady who was actually an opinion editor for Newsweek, and her name, and she's really smart and terrific, girl, is Bacha Ungar-Sargon. And I enjoyed doing the TV show with Bacha. And I said, listen, you got to come on my show because we're the best. And she said, I'd love to. So here she is, live this morning from beautiful Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, my new friend Bacha. Good morning. How are you?
12: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I am so thrilled to be here with you. Good morning also to all of your listeners, all of these hardworking Americans who are listening to your show, and also good morning to my friend at the gym who listens to you every single morning.
7: I used to work out at that gym. That gym that Botch is talking about years ago, when Curtis, I know you're listening used to be Roller Palace, which was a hugely popular roller skating rink in Brooklyn. Everybody came from every borough to go to Roller Palace. Then it became Bally's. I used to work out there now, and it's still a big-time gym, yes?
12: Yep, yep. It's 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 the hot spot for everybody everybody in the neighborhood. This is a great neighborhood. You know, there's a lot of middle class people, working class people, a lot of immigrants. It's like a really neighborhoody New York old time neighborhood. So it's yeah. the gym and it's Wheelers restaurant. Those are the two hot Yeah,
7: spots. you listen, I used to go to Wheelers every Tuesday night. I used to go to Captain Walters with my wife of thirty one years, Danielle, every Thursday night. I used to go to Maria's for good Italian food on the weekend and of course, uh, Lundy's was in that neighborhood in Sheepshead Bay. In fact, when I first got married, we moved. I was living on Quentin Road. We moved to East 8th and Avenue V. And you know, of course, Vacha, that one of my really good friends in local politics, Inna Vernikov, she's the city council person. She's got a race coming up in November. That's her area, and it still remains one of the nicest areas in Brooklyn. Yes?
12: I could not agree with you more.
7: Well, let's get to the story that I started with there, the Joe Manchin cut, because I know you wanted to talk about no labels today. Joe Lieberman, also a good friend. He's uh, been uh, going after this now for the better part of a decade. I know Manchin was with John Huntsman out of Utah yesterday. Nobody really pays any serious attention to that third party. We've seen in the past guys like Ross Perot make a difference in elections. What about the possibility of no-labels becoming a player? And if they do, what are your thoughts, Bacha, on Joe Manchin?
12: So, you know, I have two sort of competing thoughts on this. The first is... More democracy is always good. What you're seeing right now is this panic from Democrats, the way they always panic when people are given more options and not being held captive by them. And so they're sitting here panicking that another party, another option for their voters. Oh yeah, oy, this is the end of democracy, right? They always call more democracy the end of democracy. They're, of course, wrong. More options are always good. A unity ticket is a beautiful idea. So much more unites us as Americans than divides us. But the two-party system, especially lately with all the polarization, has really hidden from view how much agreement there is among Americans. And so I love the idea of it. I will say when I read the party platform, I don't see... So much of that consensus reflected because the truth is the, the place, the sweet spot where there's so much unity happens to be in the socially conservative, economically more protectionist. Americans want an economy that works for the American worker. They don't like free trade. They don't like open borders. They want the economy to be focused on good paying jobs for Americans where they can support their families in dignity, but they're also anti-woke. So there's like a little bit from both sides. And this party platform unfortunately falls into that squishy middle where both parties were for a very long time of much more free markets, but also much more social liberalism and wokeness. And that's just not where it's at. In fact, the person who figured out most where the American consensus was, was Donald Trump. His platform really was in that space of socially conservative, economically protectionist. Unfortunately, he himself himself became so polarizing that a lot of working-class liberals and Democrats didn't feel like they could vote for him, even though they agreed with him about a lot of things.
7: You know, Bacha Ungar-Sargon joining us right here, once again, an opinion editor for Newsweek. You mentioned Donald Trump, and right now he's got what looks like to be an insurmountable lead over Ron DeSanctimonious, as he calls him, and the rest of the field. <laughs> he' going to win that primary and uh, run for president, excuse me, and be the Republican choice for president. But... In about a month, coming up on August 23rd, we are scheduled to see our first debate among the Republican nominees in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Donald Trump has remained very steadfast in, I'm not going. I've got a huge lead, 50 to 60 points. Now, he does meet, I believe, two of the three criteria. One of it is, eventually, the Republican has to recognize whoever wins. And I'm not sure Donald Trump can do that. But he could be there if he wants to be there. He's not going to be there, at least as of now. What are your thoughts, Pacha, on Donald Trump not debating?
12: I, I mean, I understand why he's doing it. He feels that he can only lose by showing up because he has this huge lead. It doesn't matter. He should show up and debate. I mean, he, his his voters deserve to see him on that stage. They deserve to see him alongside his legitimate competition. So I, I get why he feels like he doesn't have to, but I, I would like to see him do it. What do you think? Do you think he should do it, or you think he doesn't Of course he, really he should do it. it. I mean,
7: look, yeah. he's got he's got such a big lead, it's not going to matter anyway. And secondly, one of the places where Donald Trump really shines is the debate stage. And you know, yeah. He'll go up there, he'll, he'll throw out nicknames for, for Ron DeSantis. Now, he likes, he likes Tim Scott, he could throw a nickname for Nikki Haley, but the truth is all these people should debate. You know, give the others an opportunity to expose you for either being really smart or not up on the issues, and he's got so little to lose, I would much rather he did debate, but like you said, I understand why he's not going to. But don't forget, this is only one debate. That doesn't mean somewhere down the road, Botcha, he wouldn't debate
12: again. Right, right. There's always that option. I agree with you. I think he really likes Tim Scott. Tim Scott was the only person who ever got Donald Trump to apologize. Um, you know, he, he he mentioned recently where there was an Epoch Times article suggesting that in, in the VP stakes, he was kind of thinking between Tim Scott and Vivek Ramaswamy. And I have to say, even though I think Vivek is closer to him, maybe ideologically, um, you know, there's something about Tim Scott's character that I think is so appealing. And I think he really is. He's a lot of people's top second choice, so I think he'd be a great VP pick, although I personally think that Kathy Barnett would be the way to go if I were Trump.
7: Yeah, look, Tim Scott's a very impressive guy and a great guy, and uh, but he checks the box. You yeah. know, and th- that's where I feel like you fall into that trap. He's black. And I know it's an uncomfortable conversation, but he's all the great things you want, and he's also black. He checks the box. Just like Carrie Lake is a female, just like Nancy Mace is a female, just like Barnett's a female. They're all very, very good, but they all check boxes. It's like we announced yesterday the new police commissioner in New York City, and if I hear one more time that Eddie Caban is Puerto Rican, I'm going to shoot myself. I just don't care. (laughs) Give me a good VP. Give me a good police commissioner. I don't care what their race, gender, or nationality is. Is it okay to say that?
12: I think it's totally okay to say that I personally really want to see Black Americans feel like they get to make a choice in which party to vote for. Some of that is on them. You know, I really think the Democrats have been bad for them. And You know, one hopes that more and more will see that. But, you know, there is a shortcut to doing that, which is to say a person you respect, a person who looks like you and the people around your dinner party has chosen this party in a very big way. Maybe there's something here for you. And because I want them to have that power of having that choice of having people compete for their votes instead of everybody assuming they're Democrats, I kind of do think that. It's, I, I forgive them the kind of woke impulse for checking the box when it comes to this.
7: Fair enough. Now, lastly, you are an observant Jew. I actually texted you Saturday afternoon, and no surprise, you didn't text me till after Shabbos, which is great. And I have these conversations about Biden and Israel all the time. One thing about Donald Trump, which you cannot argue, you cannot argue, no president did more for the relationship with Israel then Donald Trump moving the uh, Jerusalem, making that the capital, recognizing the Golan Heights as a part of Israel, not delivering pallets of cash to Hamas overnight like uh, Obama did. Trump was great to Israel. BB loved him. Not the case with the guy before him, Democrat Obama, and the guy after him, Biden. And there's been talk lately, especially from my friend Dove Heikend, that Biden should shut up. He's getting involved in Israeli politics, and uh, most of the folks that are really observant Jews in New York would rather he didn't. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on all this.
12: You know, Biden has a very strong record on Israel, and I think that, you know, given the pressure within his own party, when you look at how much he's caved to the far left, I think it's really remarkable how little he's said about Israel and how little he's how how far he's gone out of his way not to comment on the current Israeli government which you know, of course, obviously, I'm pro-Israel. I support Israel very much. Like you said, I'm an observant Orthodox Jew. But, you know, the current government is very extremist. And, you know, an ally's job is not necessarily to get involved, intervene, make statements about that. At the same time, um, you know, the, <laughs> I don't think you're going to agree with me about this. But, um, you know, I, 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 as a person who's very connected to Israel, it is hard to see where the direction that this current government is going in even though i feel that they they have a good legitimate case to in some way reform the judiciary as a person who believes in the separation of powers because i'm an american first and foremost before everything else you know th- there's a lot going on there that requires you know a real Im- critical eye that is not extreme in any way in either direction, but it's honest. And I, I do feel, I have to say, I'm not a big fan of Biden, but I do think that it is remarkable, given how much he's caved to the far left on every other issue, look at immigration, for God's sake, right, opening that border. When it comes to Joe, he really seems to me to have done a very good job of kind of towing the, the middle path there. So I, I haven't really been triggered by anything he's said yet, I have to say.
7: All right, fair enough. Uh, there she is, folks, Bacha ongoing Sargon. Once again, opinion editor for Newsweek. I had a great time with her on Brian Kilmeade's One Nation show on Fox News. Now she's been here once at a spectacular job. So welcome (laughs) to Sid and Friends, the family, the whole deal. Bacha, thank you so much. Thank you,
12: Sid. Have a great day. God bless.
7: God bless you, too. Bacha, Ungar Sargon. And that wraps up our number one, a great hour on a Tuesday morning. And again, lots more still to come. Curtis Sliwa, Bo Deedle, maybe Bernard Carrick, Arthur Idala, Carrie Lake, Judge George Grasso, all that on a Tuesday morning with three more hours to go. Phil Collins, Genesis, Abacath.
0: And friends in the morning. What you say? Just a friend. You're my best friend. 77 WABC.
7: A little boosters for you, 710 on your Tuesday morning. Got a lot of great feedback on Bacha Ungar Sargon's debut on the program. Congratulations to Sheepshead Bay's Bacha. But of course, we put this uh, time aside every weekday morning for the icon, the legend. Gets big ratings noon to one every weekday. Big ratings all weekend long overnights and really big ratings here with me, 705 to 710 every weekday morning. Mr. Guardian Angel himself. Curtis Sliver. So, Curtis, I get a uh, text message from a guy named Sam in Ozone Park two nights ago. And he says, Sid, we're having this huge rally at Aqueduct Racetrack where they're thinking about housing migrants. And before I could even answer whether I would go or not, five minutes later I get another text and it says, event canceled, that's it. And we come to find this morning that now... It looks like Aqueduct will not house some of these migrants. What's the story with uh, one of America's most prized racetracks and the migrants? That and also Creedmoor,
13: the psychiatric facility in North Queens. Again, in typical Eric Adams uh, discombobulated fashion at City Hall, whenever they say they're going to put up a tent, you know it's a fugazi action. Every tent they ever put up, they had to take down. Remember, they started it first in Orchard Beach, and everyone said, Eric, there's no drainage. Ah, what are you talking about? I know. They had to take it down as soon as they put it up, and who got charged for it? We did. Then Randall's Island, same thing. Eric, don't put up a tent there. There's not enough traders. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I know everything. No, it doesn't work. They had to take the tent down again. Who paid for it? We, we suckers did. Dead. So now they floated out the idea, Aquita, right next to the Racino that provides so much money to the state, right? Yeah, it's a great place. And, and may well get a license, one of yeah. the three for downstate to have actual regular games, you know, yeah. regular gaming. You mean table games, right? Exactly. Then all of a sudden, they're going to put a tent there? There's no freaking way. And then Creedmoor up in northern Queens along the northern state parkway, they said they're going to put a tent up there. No freaking way. Don't believe the hype. This is an administration that is so dysfunctional. They don't know from one day to the next day what (laughs) they're doing other than... Welcome to America, I'm your Papachulo in my $5,000 customized uh, suit as he welcomes him into the Roosevelt
7: Hotel for processing. So I get a text from Kevin Breslin yesterday, happens to be Jimmy Breslin, the great writer's son, lives by me out in the Irish Riviera, as you call it. And he says, 116th Street has been voted the worst beach block in America. Yes. And I said, where'd you get that from? He said, well, I kind of said it myself, but I agree. So I often eat on 116. My uh, the place I go to is a place called Claudette's. Me, Ava, Gabriel like it there. Ava worked there, and Claudette's is about 50 feet away from these new apartment buildings right on the beach. And who lives at that apartment complex? My good buddy Eric Ulrich. And I read in the New York Post yesterday that uh, Eric Ulrich is in some trouble. Now I've seen Eric and his girlfriend twice. Over the last couple of weeks, walking down 116, I don't talk to Eric. I don't know really what's going on, but I do know this. At least he's not a rat. Wait a second. You would be quite wise not to talk to
13: him. He's wired up like a Christmas tree. (laughs) Remember when you had Joe Borelli from the South Shore? Oh, I talk to him every week. And remember I said, tell Borelli not to talk to this guy. He's wired up like a Christmas tree by the investigators. Breaking news here. Okay. Breaking news yeah. about the investigation of your very dear friend, uh, Eric Orridge. Uh, I, I do
7: like Eric Orridge. Yeah, do like so does
13: the Banano crime family oh, because that's he fine. owes so much so money, so money to what? them. Oh, fine. Anyway, he has been uh, questioned a number of times by Alvin Bragg's investigators. Half of the questions have had to deal with his business dealings with one Bernard Adams, Brother of Eric Adams, who, if you remember, was brought up from parking cars at the University of uh, Virginia Commonwealth, where he was going to lead the security team to protect Eric Adams, remember, from the white supremacists, from the neo-Nazis, not. And then all of a sudden, remember, Eric Ulrich gets picked up November of 2022, Alvin Bragg's DT's wipe his phone clean. And then all of a sudden, they release him right after two hours. Next day, he resigns. And then in February, all of a sudden, Bernard Adams says, I've had it here, my volunteer post. You know, I'm going on to other things. Curtis, I just bought a house on 105th and Avenue L in Canarsie. Why do I have rat problems? I said, because Spring Creek is right there, (laughs) Bernard. There's always been rats over there. So this guy apparently is the focus of the investigators and Eric Adams' name has been mentioned also, so you're hearing it first here on Sid Rosenberg's show. You get the prime cuts. I get the scra- I give the scraps <laughs> on the don't. rip and read. <laughs> I, I get, I, you know, the leftovers. I rewarm them. Yes. But your friend Eric Ulrich, again, everybody out there, stay away from this guy. He's wired up like a Christmas tree. Half the questions that he has been asked. Are about Bernard Adams, who is the younger brother of Eric Adams, who was brought up from Virginia Commonwealth University where he was parking cars to lead the security effort. Remember, they wanted him as a deputy police commissioner at two hundred and twenty five thousand. Everybody said you can't do that. So he said, Well he'll do it for a dollar a year. Now You think he was doing it for a dollar a year, or do you think he was being wine-dined and pocket-lined along the way to be continued? And they've been asking questions about the mayor himself, of Eric Ulrich. Remember, he had that fundraiser for all the developers and College Point, in which he was told by Frank Carone, Hey, if you could get a million dollars in matching funds... You could be the potential uh buildings commissioner. That's like putting the fox in the chicken coop. <laughs> that is a corrupt agency under any mayor, whether it was Rudy or Bloomberg. You're going to put a guy who owes hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Bonanno crime family, and you're going to make him the commissioner of the Department of Buildings? I still like him. I still like the guy. Don't talk to him. Stay away from him. (laughs) Fine. Uh, Well, when he pushes his collar out to you and says, can you speak up a little bit? You know, there's (laughs) the sound of the waves in the background. He's
7: got a dog. He eats in a bagel shop. He's a normal guy. He lost a couple of dollars. So what? I have two in my lifetime. So what? Pretty
13: soon he'll be out in (laughs) Idaho behind a uh, (laughs) a 7-Eleven serving Slurpees and nachos with a new name, a new identity in the witness protection program. (laughs) Who? Who's the buildings
7: commissioner now?
13: Uh, Jimmy Otto. Jimmy Otto, that's right. The former, uh, excuse me, the former borough president of Staten Island. I think Frank
7: Marano loves that guy. Oh, yeah, meantime, he's (laughs) sold
13: out. He's got his lips sealed on the tuchus of Eric Adams. You What
7: the hell does Jimmy Otto know about buildings? What are you giving Eric, you know, he did something yesterday which made you so happy did you know, by the way, that Eddie Caban is Puerto Rican? Yeah, well, you might I haven't heard know. that enough yet. Yeah. Uh, by the oh, way, that yeah.
13: brings up a point, right? Yeah. Uh, Puerto Rican Police Commission, okay, I got oh, God, it. God, who cares? Almost a Puerto Rican mayor. Remember, uh, Eddie Caban was the driver for... <laughs> Fernando yeah. His name is Eddie
7: Caban. It's not Eddie no, Caban. It's Caban. He screwed me
13: up a week It's with Caban. This. It's Caban.
7: Everybody's saying Eddie
13: Caban. By the way, how come you haven't mentioned that no Italian American <laughs> has ever been police commissioner and no Italian American has ever been president? You keep mentioning, oh, no, no Jew has ever been president in the United That's States. That's true. Right? No Jew ever. And but li- li- you've had a police commissioner. How it's safe for one tough Jew so from what? the Bronx? But, but, but and look at the mayor. You've got Rudy Giuliani here in the Fine, city. Why no Italian? American police commissioner. Think about that. I don't know. Because they think if you have a cop who goes up the ranks, an Italian American, how do we know he's not affiliated with organized crime? Come on. You know the old prejudice. Who was the first police commissioner of New York City? Teddy Roosevelt, right? That's correct. And when he was asked by the New York Times, hey, what do you think of them hanging Sicilians down in New Orleans? The biggest (laughs) lynching ever, even. One single day of lynching. And you know what he said to the New York Times? He said, that they should have lynched more of them. Wow. And that's how we ended up with Columbus Day because people said, Oh my God. And, and that's
7: Frank Morano's dream to be able to sit down with Teddy Roosevelt. You self hating cheat. <laughs> All I mentioned is uh, Frank Morano or Jimmy Otto, look what you got. So, uh, you've broken stories on this show about migrants, migrant shelters, people gaining very big positions in New York City, and you've even been able to gather information to your credit and your beautiful wife, Nancy, on the Gill murder story. Yes, yes. You've got some information. You've got pages
13: today. Uh, yes, in fact, uh, as uh, John Katsimatidis, our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, said yesterday on your show, who signed the permits? We now know he had 300 guns in a safe. Meantime, Rodney Harrison says, his wife didn't know anything that was going oh, on. I thought
7: you were going to say the first thing that John Katsimatidis said to me on this show was, Curtis is more wrong than, excuse me, is more right than wrong. Yeah, well, you better tell Peter King who said, Oh, the FBI was involved from
13: 2010, the beginning of the investigation. And who did you have on? You had on the D.A. Tierney. By the way, you did the best job of interviewing him. And what did Tierney say? No, the FBI just got involved recently when I became the DA
7: and Rodney Harrison became the police commissioner. He did say that. He said that uh, they did not get involved. They found bodies in 2010, and according to your credit to the Suffolk County D.A. Ray Kearney. The FBI did not get involved till 2022. And when I offered up what you talked about, prostitution rings, some of the – I didn't use the names. I didn't say Burke or the rest of these guys. He did not cut me off and did not say no. He said, look, the fact is the FBI, to your credit, Curtis – was not involved. By the way, I will be revealing
13: that there was another freaky deaky guy part of the department then. When Burke was having sex, bondage, uh snuff films, the whole nine yards. What? That's snuff That's right, in Oak Beach, in that gated community. Snuff films? Yes. And by the way, he was the police chief. There was a police commissioner at that time. Nobody talks about him. I'll be talking about him today at 12. You don't want to miss it on the Rip and Read. I mean, we're talking Curtis, uh, we're I'm, talking
7: uh, bondage. We're uh, talking uh, drinking bodily Curtis, this fluids. Is such, this is such we're a great drinking. segment every day at 7.05. My fear really is the more you talk on this show, unlike Gotti, the next guy's going to get it right. Well, there's no doubt. I want you to be back tomorrow. They're lining up. <laughs> they want to kill me. I have
13: information that nobody else has. And by the way, look at this. I have in my hands, provided by Nancy uh, Sliwa, who does the deep dive as the E-attorney. Look at this.
7: Guess who had a concealed weapons permit? It looks to me like the concealed weapons permit is under the name... Rex Ewerman, mm,
13: better known as Architect Rex, who signed, as as John was asking yesterday on your program, John Katsimatidis, who signed the permits? Who signed the permits? I'm By gonna, the way, do uh, you know it turns out that Architect Rex was a registered Republican? I do see that. Did, did Peter King know that? He was a registered Republican right in his district? I think he knew that. Uh, really? I, I don't hear any of the Republicans say, well, he's not but, one of ours.
7: But it doesn't say on here who signed this. Ah, uh, doesn't say who signed No, this. it doesn't say it, <laughs> I'm looking for it. I see 105 First Avenue, Massapequa Park, New York, ethnicity, ethnicity unknown, license, uh, registration you know date, 2010. You know how difficult, you know how difficult it
13: is to get a concealed carry permit very, in New York State? Very. How did he oh, get? Or not anymore? Not now that the Supreme oh, no. Court—oh no—they they're not issuing any. They're sitting on it. No kidding. They're defying the Supreme Court. So I'm asking my Republican friends out there in Long Island, how did this registered Republican architect Rex end up with concealed carry permits? Who signed off on the permit? Come Burke, on, I'm gonna go. Oh, Nassau God. County GOP. Come on, let me know. Is it Burke? Uh I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to let you know. Is it Peter King? Uh no no, it was okay. not King. But it, Peter no. King is so hopelessly wrong thinking. The FBI was involved second. from day is, one. Wait a second.
7: Is it Tierney? No no no, he wasn't there. No. No, he wasn't there. Oh, he was an ADA. He postponed. was voted went right. to jail, but Give me up give up me one Give me one hint. Uh they're a Republican he 's a Republican, yes, is he still serving as a republican uh
13: none of your b i b business uh, all all you need to know is here 's a guy with three hundred guns in his safe, yeah at one ten uh, what is that what was that the uh was that the, uh, the house <laughs> of the gruesome newsome there? Was that the Adams family house or the Munster uh, house or yeah. 110 Mockingbird, uh, yes. lane? Munsters. Oh, we didn't know, uh, the wife. She knew nothing. The guy has 300 guns in his <laughs> safe. She knew nothing at all, Rodney Harrison says. She knows more than she's willing to tell you. That's for sure. And by the way, how Rodney Harrison and, uh, DA, although it's Suffolk County, How did this guy get a very difficult-to-get license to carry concealed weapons? In fact, when we talk Phil Banks, the deputy mayor of public safety in the city of New York, who's the real police commissioner who calls the shots, remember he got jammed up when the NYPD was selling those concealed gun permits. They were taken into Vegas. The stewardess came on the jet from Teterboro and said, Hey, Tea, coffee, or me, would you like me to orally fixate you? And all the NYPD brass was saying, me first, me first, can I watch? Yeah, and what did Phil Banks do? He said, I'm not going down on this as an unindicted co-conspirator. I will become a confidential informer. Always look for the concealed gun permits because then you will see cops at the highest level, and politicians getting wine-dined in pocket line. Who signed the permit for architect Rex? This freak, this killer, this marauder, this lurch. You rang. to get a concealed carry permit? One of the most difficult things in New York to get. I'm coming after you guys. We're doing the deep dive. You can run. But you can't hide.
4: Legend Emmett Smith, and this is Sid in the Morning. Let me do that again. <laughs> Hi, it's Cowboys Legend Emmett Smith, and this is Sid and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. Oh, and by the way, I am way more famous than Sid. <laughs>
7: Smith, I love Emmitt. We got to do more of those. I, I had Brian Kilmeade do one. I'm waiting on Chris Libertini, but got to get more of these guys to call in and do Sid drops. My my old friend, who turned out to be a real douche face, Dan Levitard. he opened for his radio show, which was immensely successful for many years, ESPN and 790 The Ticket down in Miami, was just people drops. We had uh, some great guests, but they're all sports. Unlike us, we get presidents and senators and congressmen and sports and entertainers. We get all of it. We do it all on this show. And that's not an accident because I've modeled myself and this show after guys like Stern and Imus, the real morning greats, not the political talkies that bore me to death. And that's why, to be completely honest, I don't listen most of the day to any radio, Uh, not even sports talk, because that bores me, too. You put on the fan, and you got to hear 90 phone calls about how bad the Mets are. No kidding. Very, very boring. I mean, the stories, if if I hear Rand Paul one more time criticize Anthony Fauci, if I hear Jim Colmer tell me for the 100th time he's got bank receipts on Joe Biden, Sean Hannity sounded like a moron last night when he said, what if that cocaine was anthrax? Well, Sean, baby. You're a smart guy. If it was anthrax, it would be a story, but it's not. It's cocaine. So what? Hunter did it. Who who cares? Who dropped a bag of blow in a library?
8: It's going to be a blockbuster, bro.
7: Huge. It's going to be huge. <laughs> you know, you just you can't you can't listen this, to this stuff and watch this stuff if you have any real sense of smarts. And I'm I'm just interested in too many things anyway, so I get bored very, very quickly. I've got A D D to the nth degree.
8: Right. It's a weirdness because you have A D D but then you have so much space in your in your brain for all this useful information.
7: Useful or useless. Uh well you no, know, last night, for example, I watched Rosemary's Baby for the 100th time. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
8: Rosemary.
7: Yeah, I'm laying in bed. Because the night before, I watched Officer and a Gentleman. And I forgot to, I never changed the channel. So I laid in bed last night, and Rosemary's Baby was on. I just, I just watched it. I didn't care.
8: Or, or the proper title of the movie.
7: It was called what?
8: Rosemary's <laughs> No, I don't know. <laughs> Rosemary? Was that the woman who was on the Dick Van Dyke? Well, I don't know whatever mm.
7: it was called. I don't know. I, I just know that I, I I didn't have any... I wasn't compelled to change it. I wasn't running to, to Fox News or ESPN. The Mets were off anyway.
8: It's a pretty scary movie.
7: It really isn't. Not even a little. No? No. Not, not I was the, bored not, for 40 minutes till it got scary. Not the end? No, yeah, listen, that's great. Don't get me wrong, but the rest of it is... You know what we do in this culture is, and I do this all the time, because most of the time it is true, but we, we tend to nostalgize things and make them better. It's like people, people who are good, but they're great when they die, right? They're no, good at something. When no they die, they're, they're the best ever. No question. Right. I mean, what are they gonna say about me when I die? I'm already the best ever. What are you gonna say?
8: I, I'm not sure, but they're gonna to have to come up with a dictionary a new word. A more superlatives yeah. for you. Dude, Michael Jackson died, and they oh, everybody forgot that you like used to play with a little kid.
7: Nobody forgot about that. What are I you talking like about? Just, I feel
8: like people forgot about.
7: that. No, nobody forgot about that. You idiot. God.
8: Justin is a hater. <sighs> What's the matter with you? He hates. He's not like Bob. <laughs> <laughs> In,
7: In fact, is... the poor bastard. Every time a song comes on, you almost have to preface it by saying. I know he's with little boys, but I like rock with you.
8: I don't know. I, I just see a lot of people straight out just keep just still calling him, you know, King of Pop. Well, he Michael was. A, he is a King of Pop. It doesn't yeah. change.
1: Right.
8: They're well, two separate things, <laughs> <Michael. laughs> that's The little that boy's over thing? here, and the music is way over there. I mean, I,
7: I'm, I'm disgusted by what he did. As far as I'm concerned, he was guilty. <laughs>
8: yeah.
7: Spent like $60 million to shut people up. You don't do that just to avoid a deposition. <laughs> Stop it. But I gotta be honest. When Thriller comes on, I don't change it. No, or well, Billy Jean, or Rock with You, or, no, I'm not, or the Jackson I'm not saying Five I do stuff. Either
8: I'm not saying I do yeah. either. Well, that's
7: but that's who we are. It's like sports. <laughs> like when Ray Rice punched out his girlfriend in an elevator and knocked her out cold, no one stopped watching the NFL. Nobody, not one person stopped watching the NFL. But we always yell and scream. Oh, I'm done with it. I'm done. The NFL. I'm done. Colin Kaepernick
8: knelt. F him.
7: You got tickets for the Giants on Sunday?
8: (laughs) I mean, who are we kidding? God. Well, he was, uh, to use the phrase, blackballed. No team wanted him. See what he did there? I know. That's why. He was blackballed, yes. He never played again. No team wanted him. Yeah,
7: but the fans were so upset, and the Ravens sold out week one. There are still people that wear those jerseys. That's that's even the better part. Well, the Ravens were were good at the time. Yeah, they were good. I took my son, Gabriel, to see Eli Manning's last ever start for the Giants. We didn't know it was going to be his last start. It was week two. But he got benched the following week for Daniel Jones, ironically. They were playing the Buffalo Bills, and the guy sitting next to us was wearing an O.J. Simpson jersey. He murdered two
1: people.
13: Yeah.
7: Great running back, maybe the greatest running back ever. He murdered two people. I got my OJ jersey on.
11: That's
7: why America's a great place. We don't care. We just don't care. No, We're a joke. We get mad over everything, and we do nothing about it. Nothing. I'm serious. Even Democrats, they get mad at their candidates, they get mad at the people, and they just vote Democrat all over again. Anyway, we got to talk to uh, Bo Deal. He's amazing. He's coming up next. Talk Radio 77
0: WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative.
1: you my best friend.
0: 77 WABC.
1: I always do. How I, I? don't know.
7: She was with the too. Oh, great tune, Lewis. All right, my next guest, I just had the fortunate opportunity, the luxury of having dinner. He's so generous to me. He really is to me and my wife and children. I love him so much at Rayo's on Thursday. In fact, he was on this show three times last week. He's on every Tuesday at 7.40, Thursday at 9.05 in studio. He was, for the better part of two decades, one of the greatest cops in the history of New York City. And I'm not going to debate that with anyone. It's a fact. He's gone on to become a great actor. I mean, great films like uh, Goodfellas, The Irishman, Wolf of Wall Street, television shows, Graves and We're Not Together, uh, of course, The Godfather of Harlem. He's also an Inside Man, which hits theaters August 11th, and like I said, most importantly, a dear friend for the better part of 25 years, the great Bo Deedle. Good Tuesday morning, Bo. How are you, buddy?
14: Good morning, good morning. I was out last night uh, to Old Westbury Country Club, my old country club there. We uh, were honoring a friend of mine, Chris Tursey of 388 and Chris and Tony's, uh, for the Ronald McDonald House. And uh, who was there was we had the police commissioner, uh, Pat Ryder, and uh, uh, Nassau County chief of detectives. And a lot of cops were there, and we were talking about the whole thing out there with the Gilgo murders and all that. And I'll be honest with you, i got to give my credit to my friend Curtis Lewa, and he's run on top of it. And, again, the FBI were not brought in to, uh, in to deal with this case until Rodney Harris took over and Ray Tierney took over in 2020 when he was elected into the office of DA. Now the big deal is why excuse me why did it take so long to bring the FBI in when these murders occurred in 2010? I mean it was ridiculous with the advances with the DNA with the FBI with all their resources obviously the next stage of this thing is going to be the cover up why this took so long. And anybody who questions it is smoking crack. And I got to give, again, I keep giving credit to Curtis uh, because I thought, and listening to people, that they were brought in way before 2020. No, like, in fact, uh, no,
7: I got it right from the right here, uh, and I know you heard it. I think it was the best yeah. interview done yet, me and the Suffolk yeah. County DA Ray Tierney, and he said flat out, they did not come until I came into office, which by the way was 2022, 12 years after yeah. they found the last body, nearly 15 years after the murder started. Now, we don't know if Curtis is right. He says the reason why is because some of these creeps were involved in, uh, in a prostitution They were with these girls, and they don't want the FBI to find out. We're not sure if that's true, although well, Curtis is well, usually right.
14: A little enlightenment because I talked to Suffolk County cops last night. I talked to a lot of guys in the know. And, you know, we all forgot that the former commissioner there, Burke, was involved with some kids finding his little bag of tricks. Uh, I think he had whips, chains, mink gloves, yep. dildos, yep. everything in yep. it. Porn. And then all of a sudden he beat the living crap out of the guy and then Spoda covered it up. It is a big, big investigation that has to be done right now. And anybody who challenges it, you know what, I got a problem with all the evidence that were there. Look at, I'm a detective. When you have this avalanche, then you have a witness with this big ghoul. I mean, all you got to do is you put it in a computer. There wasn't that many avalanches around. All you would do is. Put this into your database and find out where in that area, Nassau County, how many, start tracking back, tracking back. And then all of a sudden, if you put a little surveillance on the ghoul, this punk creep, all of a sudden you see this uh, 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 six-foot-five ghoul walking around. I mean, the suspect was right there. And in reality, all these people that had the victim who were victims and their families should have had Should have had the law come a lot sooner than 13 years later. And I'm outraged as being a former detective how this thing wasn't directly dealt with. Thank God for for Tierney and Rodney Harris. And these guys did a great job. Not just them. The detectives that were assigned to this case and the FBI agents putting this whole thing together so quickly, to me, it's very quick. And play. by the way, you also have to
7: add you also have to add Bo, and and again, this is the only show uh, that I've seen. I've seen countless interviews with all these people. This is the only show, uh, thanks in part to Curtis Mosley and me and you and Kearney, that have talked about the possibility of this huge cover up. But I will tell you that Rodney Harrison yesterday with Brian Kilmeade on Fox News also Bo went out of his way to thank people like. Jimmy O'Neill, Dermot Shea, and other commissioners, and the New York Police Department, because they also helped in this for years and years, getting to where Ray Tierney got just a couple of months ago. So the NYPD deserves some credit, too.
14: Well, you know, we're we're always proud of the NYPD, but in reality, they weren't heading up the investigation. So we can't really say that the NYPD was working because as far as I see here, they were uh, what they call cockblocked and they were (laughs) cockblocked completely from getting (laughs) from getting involved with this investigation by then Burke and also the D.A. out in Suffolk County. You can only go so far with the cooperation they give. Did they give them all that information? We don't know that for a fact. All I can say is what a great job done. And I'm very proud to be a detective and have detectives out there that worked hard, and these are the everyday detectives and the FBI agents, the good FBI agents, not the corrupt uh, uh, people who are on top. And in reality, we're, we're having now uh, the investigation uh, into the FBI again, because it's coming out now with the FBI uh, supervising a special agent in charge of the investigation into Hunter. Now it's coming out with this oversight committee by uh, uh, by the congressman, and they're going to be bringing him in, and they're going to be bringing more testimony in there that this whole thing was shut down. It's also going to be brought in. This information was given to the Secret Service and the Biden transition team, and they were tipped off about Hunter of Biden being in, uh, being investigated. Yep. I mean, this doesn't stop. And Jim Jordan now is going to pop on that big bird. That other jerk. Christopher Ray oh. and hold him in contempt. Yeah. I mean, look this is what's going on in the Well, yeah, it's
7: funny, you mentioned Secret Service and and look, I think the whole cocaine story is embarrassing. I think Sean Hannity is starting to embarrass himself. Kellyanne Conway, these are ordinarily smart people. They sound like idiots. Uh, Hannity said last night, what if it was anthrax? Well, if it was, it would be a real story, but now it's not. But Curtis put a very good point. We're only a couple of years removed, ladies and gentlemen, from the Secret Service, a bunch of guys getting in big trouble for prostitutes, drugs. So it's, it's also possible, not Hunter Biden, some Secret Service guy. They're all over the place in that room, dropped his cocaine. It's not like Secret Service guys... Haven't gotten in trouble for drugs and prostitutes yeah. before.
14: Yeah, but I, I and mean, again I get I go I go where you're coming from with you know Hannity and all that crap about them continually talk about. It. But in my view, I mean, this is the White House, and I would never shut this investigation down. And I have the question: Why not? That, Why not? Who cares? It's cocaine. It's not. Well, it's not anthrax. You know who cares? And I'm very strong on this. Sid. Who cares? Is that that's the White House. And if you have a bag, you have DNA, you have fingerprints, why our greatest investigating tool, the FBI, and everyone, why didn't we just find out what identifiers were on the damn bag? Make it simple. You don't shut it down. And I'm very strong with that. It shouldn't be the top story, but the investigation should not have been. Well, then fine.
7: Then then go find the person and, and, and okay. get rid of them. So but to have but, it but, but, but the <laughs> habit, the habit on talk shows as if this is a national security threat because right. there's a fentanyl you... crisis. Are you nuts?
14: if it was donald trump as the president this thing would have never been shut down okay here we go we're going back to trump so that's my only thing i get what you're saying but there's the other side what i'm saying is we should be able to continue the investigation and see whose it was i don't care about prosecuting i'm talking about why would you just shut it down that's it let's shut that down okay more important things said we got a new police commissioner and thank God that this was the person that Eric chose. And Eddie Caban's a good friend of mine, and I'm very proud. He was the best man for the job, not because he's Puerto Rican. He was the best <laughs> man for the job. And in reality, in reality, Eddie Caban is a great, great guy. And I'm very happy about this. You know, Yeah, you know, I mean, as far as the other thing that's just flipping me out, this moron president all of a sudden now is going against – we have different platforms. We have an executive, uh, we have judicial, and we have the uh, Congress. These are three different areas of our government that have checks and balance. This moron, Biden, now, has taken what the Supreme Court has decided as an official congr- uh, uh, judicial ruling, and now he's going against it, and now he wants to spend a half a trillion dollars on these college kids, that way. Look, I couldn't go to college. Dude. You went to college. I couldn't afford to go to college. I had to be a friggin' laborer, a concrete laborer in, in Union 6A, because I wanted to go to college to be a gym teacher. We couldn't afford it, and I couldn't borrow money because I couldn't afford it. Now all of a sudden, all these kiddies go to college and they drink and they get high, and now they have all these college education. Now they're free. They don't owe any bills. That's bullcrap. Now this moron Biden comes out there and wants to tax the American public. A half a billion dollars to relieve these loans you know what it's all about it's all about getting more democratic voters so when we when we run for for the new election with trump running yep. that's the reason yep. why we won't win because he got all these People now are going to be voting for who whatever Democrat they run, they'll be voting for. Because they get free stuff. <laughs> <You Doesn't anybody laughs> they do get free stuff.
7: You're on? right. Yeah. No, you're right. They get free stuff. I, I want to go back to the Eddie stuff for a second. I was having a oh. uh, a text conversation this morning with your friend and mine, former police commissioner. And I think one of the greats. It was a short stay, obviously, not nearly as long as Ray Kelly. But I still think Bernard Kerrick was great. And he was there 9-11 during those uh, difficult times. And, and I said to Bernie, I said, he doesn't know Caban, he didn't, never served with Caban, he never, uh, you know, worked with him. But he said, look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good Caban is if, in fact, the powers that be don't allow him to do his job. So just so you know, you and I were together a lot last week, Bo. I have been talking to Eric Adams regularly again. He's texting me back and forth the last three days. We are going to meet and talk things out. So I don't want to kill Eric right now, but Bernard Kerrick's point was, if Eric Adams and Phil Banks are still going to run that job as if it's theirs, which is why Sewell left most people think, then it doesn't matter how good Caban is what are your thoughts on that
14: You know what? I love Bernie Kerrick and Bernie Carrick and you and me. We all agree with the same thing, and that's that 's very that point in case what you just said, and i 'm not going to deny it i don 't lie. I tell you how I feel. And if he's not able to run it by himself, and if he's controlled by the mayor and Phil and everyone else, then all he's going to be is the same as the as female police commissioner. There you go. And right. I do agree with that. Right. So, you know what? Kerrick is on the tune. And when you meet with the mayor, I hope you told him I'm coming with you, right? Yes.
7: Yes. Uh, yeah. me, it's I, me, I, I you, I and him. And we you. may have a fourth because it looks like Joe Esposito wants to come to. But it's certainly well, me, Joe, you, and the yeah, mayor. Well,
14: Joe's our guy. And then you know, and then you know, we can't forget about our great United States Senator who is the speaker of the United States Senate, Chuck Schumer. Let's not forget what? about plughead Schumer over there in Brooklyn. <laughs> this this do nothing piece of garbage. This <laughs> moist. All I can tell you is right, now all of a sudden he's coming out of the woodwork, popping his ugly plughead with his little plugs in his head up. This friggin' moron all of a sudden, uh, oh, we should have Federal legislation to declare international fentanyl trafficking a national emergency. Wake up, your fool! A hundred thousand Americans are dying every year. All of a sudden, now he wants to have the power to seize money from drug traffickers and sanction the cartels. You friggin' idiot! All these Americans are dying every year. You just woke up out of the out of the Kanish house. What are you nuts, consumer? You are a plughead idiot. And all of a sudden, oh China. Oh, it's from China. How about being strong, Schumer? You're a smuck, Juma. You always <laughs> were, and I know you for a lot of years. You are the biggest smuck in New York. Oh, so all I can say oh. is one thing. All I know is one thing. Reed Hoffman, the head of LinkedIn, he gave uh, seven hundred, seven, seven hundred
5: thousand to our friend, to our friend Biden for victory campaign. You know who he is? He's the business. That perverted island there, <laughs> Epstein's Island, is more involved
14: with this. Let's investigate. Let's find out who is with the underage girl. And his name is Reed
7: Hobson, you pervert. <laughs> there he is, folks. That's why it is. Uh, he's the man. Whether it's 740 by phone every Tuesday or 905 live in studio every Thursday, the great New Yorker, the great American And I'm proud to say it, my guy, Bo Dietl. I love you, Bo. Only halfway through, a lot more to do. On the right dollar, Carrie Lake, Judge Grasso, and more. Stick with me, Sid Rosenberg,
0: on a Tuesday. talk radio 77 wabc this is sid and friends in the morning 77 wabc
7: Still great. Doesn't matter how many kids Michael Jackson slept with. Not to minimize that, because he was a sick bastard, but the song is still great. Rock with you, the great Michael Jackson.
1: So tonight
7: the is... My son Gabriel's fourth basketball game of the season. I think I told you guys when my man Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly wrote such a great, and I mean great, piece yesterday on BillOreilly.com pointing out how inept both parties are. Certainly much more Democrat than Republican, but both. He's got a bunch of quotes from everybody, from Republican senators to mostly Biden, Kamala Harris, you know, those morons. It is an unbelievable column. Check it out today at BillO'Reilly.com. But Bill uh, took me and my son Gabriel and a former National County Executive Laura Curran to the Met game Saturday night. It was a great time, Mets and Dodgers. And one of the uh, ushers, I think his name was Pete Palizzo. I know he's in Atlantic City this morning. But he walked over to me and Gabe, and he said, sit listen every day. And he goes, Gabe. Congratulations on your first win. And my son was so happy, so happy that a complete stranger knew that his team won a basketball game. He knew the team was one and two. And he said, you see, Gabe, people love you. I mean, they love daddy, but they love you. And sure enough, a second guy walked over, talked about the same thing. And tonight will be game four. We haven't played a game in a week. It was last Tuesday when Gabe's sandbar team, led by Brian Mullen, whose father Flip is a legend in Bell Harbor, in Rockaway. Flip Mullen, a legend. Brian Mullen, the coach. I have become sort of the de facto assistant coach. And we got our game four tonight looking to even out our record at 2-2. Two and two. And uh, Gabe all excited. And so is uh, Rockland County. Rockland County. Rockaway, a lot of guys show up just to root them on, like Mike Sullivan. Sully comes every week just to root them on. We've seen legendary Jackie Hunter out of Brooklyn show up once, and others. Some of Gabby's friends, William and Kevin. So big game, Lewis, coming up tonight. You actually said you were coming once, but you didn't show. So
8: I, I You were drunk one, somewhere. somewhere. I was. Why do you drink so much? Um, I've got a lot of problems. You do? Yeah.
7: Even the night we had dinner a couple of weeks ago, which I have to tell you was a great time. And uh, you and MJ are both great kids, great kids. You're older than me, but I still you call you a kid.
8: But, I mean, you must have gone through 30 drinks that night. No, I, That's a complete fabrication. Ten? More, a little, somewhere a little higher than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what would you be doing if you, you, you're like, okay, here we're going to freeze the frame right now. And here I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
7: it was annoying, the whole Gravesend yeah, like, thing, you're right. But then even MJ talked about going shopping the next day to Danielle, and all he talked about was buying booze. Well, i got to buy beer, i got to buy... <laughs> it wasn't all booze. What else do you have in your house besides booze? I mean, you are the stereotypical Irishman. I'm the first Irishman that's ever bought booze. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There you go. Another okay. first. Eddie Caban, yeah. Puerto Rican. Yeah. Because you haven't heard that enough, and Lou Rapino is the first ever. Irishman ever to buy
8: booze. I'm proud of it, too, and I'd like to thank everybody for allowing me. I knew me.
7: you had a drinking problem years ago. <laughs>
8: oh, no, okay.
7: When I had a drinking problem, and we went to, um, uh, what is that famous place on 10th? um Blondies. McSorley's, right? McSorley's. And, and you <laughs> yeah, did this wrong. pyramid with a bunch of
8: beers. That was Ed Scazzeri, too. No, no, he couldn't do it as well as you. No. And then you drank all of them. I showed it to him, and he wouldn't stop. Oh, is, the, is he good at it now? Yeah, oh, no, he couldn't. He He was fascinated by the trick. I was, too. The car bomb.
7: The car bomb, yes. He loved it. It was a great day. Yeah. Tara Dugan and her eventual husband, Eddie Scazzeri. It was right after Joseph Abud, that beautiful guy, he held his uh, annual golf and tennis charity deal up in Westchester at some, you know, bougie club. And that day, me and Chris Russo played Pat McEnroe and Joe Abud in tennis. And we were winning until Pat McEnroe took it seriously. But then we all left that event and went to McSorley's, Wow! and Lou was an MVP. Remember that?
8: I Slightly. I don't know. I I might have had some. You're you're
7: surprised I remember some of these things. Yeah, how do you
8: remember? I don't even remember the chronology of that. Yeah. No.
7: Do you remember going out to a club a week before the big fight, Fear at the Pier, me against Bernard, October 2003, a week before? And me getting all high and effed up. And yep. Yep.
8: <laughs> yeah.
7: yep. That was the night I yelled at Cara Dugan because she wouldn't give me 50 bucks.
8: Oh, now I remember. Now it's much more clear.
7: Yep. Uh, God. Yep. Yep. I think we went out in Chelsea, if I remember correctly. Wow. By the way, talking about Chelsea, you know, this, uh, this filthy vermin, and that's what I call them. They're just filthy vermin that take the ferry. You know, the Staten Island Ferry has been a topic today with Noam. I know Justin Brannan. The uh, city council guy is all excited. There's a fast ferry now from Bay Ridge to Wall Street running now weekdays. But the ferry that I take home every day, when the weather's nice, it's impossible. Every, again, I'll say it, Degener- every the de- de- degenerate, degenerate <laughs> filthy vermin. So I saw, and a lot of these, are in, uh, not that the, the vermin are gay, but a lot of gay folks are on the, uh, the boat. A lot. I mean, it's, you know. Guys, uh, shorts are way too short, way too short, way too tight. All kinds of colored hair, which has nothing to do with their sexual preference. God bless you. I don't care. I'm very liberal when it comes to that stuff. I'm pro-gay marriage. I don't care. But why some of these folks go out of their way to look the way they do, I I just can't. It just looks gross to me. And I saw something yesterday that I'm never going to forget. There was a, a, a girl, and she was with her girlfriend on the boat, sitting right next to me. She had more hair on her legs than Shaq. And I'm mm. like, what is attractive about this? Mm. What is that? A hairy legged girl. <laughs> you tell me I mean, I don't know, it's just me. And maybe that's okay in the gay community, but for me that's a large turn off. That's a big turn off. If a girl has hairier legs than <laughs> you, how about you know him? You like that? You're a big um Layden. You like those <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I guess no, I'm no,
8: not ready to go. Uh, no, I'm no, not ready to go. Uh, no, no, go. Oh, layton, no, all right, late. give me that hairy layton girl right like there. <laughs> yeah. uh, he likes listening to himself. <laughs> he actually
7: did just play that yeah. for himself. Yeah, yeah. Layton.
8: <laughs> so, uh, come on, cut
7: this serious. He's got
8: no idea we're we're just doing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, he planned it so he didn't have to go on the air <laughs> and answer him.
7: Uh, so yesterday, the uh, my friend, the mayor Eric Adams, introduced our new police commissioner. I They did this over two hours ago. Folks may not realize this, but there are exactly the same amount of police commissioners as there are presidents. Joe Biden is the 46th president of the United States. And yesterday, Ed Caban or Caban was named the 46th police commissioner. Exact same number, 46. And uh, here's Mayor Eric Adams introducing Caban yesterday. Lewis,
10: cut number one. as the mayor of the city of New York, I'm proud
4: to appoint Edward Caban to be the next police commissioner of the New York City Police department So as
7: I stated earlier, everybody loves Caban. I mean, everybody. Curtis loves him, and he likes nobody. Bo Dieter loves him. I talked to cops, very anecdotal, but active cops, they love him. And they really wanted Caban to be the choice many years ago. But I'll say this, and I said this all morning long, and kind of joking around with Louie about being the first Irishman to buy booze. I'm so tired of the first stuff. Kamala Harris, first black female vice president. By the way, she sucks. Keyshawn Sewell, first female black police commissioner. She's already gone, not because of her. She was great, but she's gone. My point is, I just don't care. I don't care if there's a Jewish president. I don't care what your race, creed, nationality, sexual The burst, gay. I don't care. We have a huge issue with crime in this city. We have a huge issue with the way the police are treated by civilians in this city. There is some infighting amongst the cops, believe it or not. We have big issues in this city. The fact that Eddie Caban is a Puerto Rican, that may play in Washington Heights, Maybe A-Rod is excited this morning. I don't care. I don't want that to be the center of the conversation, how he's a role model for Puerto Ricans. Stop. Eddie, I'm sorry. And Eddie was as guilty as anybody with this yesterday. He must have said it ten times. I don't care. Be a good police commissioner. I don't care what what, what your nationality is, where you're from. We get so caught up every day in the first days, the first that. Ah, it's, it's it's okay to be proud. John Katsimatidis is a proud Greek. We don't talk about Katsimatidis being the first Greek billionaire. I'm not even sure he is. I don't care. And yesterday, to me, that seemed to be the theme. Eddie Caban, the Puerto Rican. Not Eddie Caban, the great cop. Not Eddie Caban, the next great police commissioner. Maybe the next you know, Bill Bratton. Maybe the next Bernie Kerrick. Maybe the next Ray Kelly. There's none of that. It was, I'm a Puerto Rican, baby. Here's uh, Caban, cut number two. No, don't start with that. No, no. Actually, start with cut number three. That's where he first mentions it.
4: Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I am humbled to be on your team, to have your trust and support. And to lead the greatest police department on the globe. Now, it's not lost on me that today's announcement is also a first. Given how many great leaders of Hispanic descent have come before me in the NYPD, to be the first Hispanic police commissioner is uh, an yes. honor of the highest measure.
7: Okay, great. Uh, let's go to uh, cut, <laughs> Jesus. cut number four. Play for
4: My journey with the NYPD began over 32 years ago. A young Puerto Rican kid from Parkchester. There we go again. Yep. <laughs> great. Standing on a foot post in the South Bronx.
7: You know, I'm the first. Uh, thank like, you. for Okay. Yeah, for I think I'm the first Jewish Brooklyn Jew. Maybe this is not even true. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm the first Brooklyn Jew to be number one at WABC in the mornings. No,
8: there's no question about that. Yeah. I've looked it up.
7: Right. So you are let's sure. just go with that for now on. Yes. And I don't true. want to make fun of Eddie Eddie's, again, he, he's a hero. He's a great guy. Everybody loves him. I hope he becomes the next way, Kelly. I really do. A, because to a man, everybody loves the guy. And B, because this city needs that. But we gotta stop. We gotta stop with identifying people by race, creed, the first this, the first that. How about being the first really good police commissioner in years? Cause I wasn't a huge fan of, you know, Dermot was fine. Jimmy O'Neill was okay. But none of these guys were great. How about being the first great police commissioner in years? Keyshawn could have been that, but she was never given the opportunity.
8: Be that. Does that make sense, Lewis? Uh, No, I'd rather hear about uh, their heritage. Right. That's going to make a lot of difference, actually. (laughs) I mean, seriously. The crime has been cleaned up because of the heritage of Eddie caban. <laughs> and only no. the Hispanics no. could have figured this out.
7: Do you think anybody else in this business is talking about that today? Or they're just, you know, it's kind of like the whole Gilgo Beach thing. Thanks to Curtis Slewa, well, we've uncovered what seems to be a huge cover-up. The FBI and a bunch of really big people involved. But people are bending over backwards and doing somersaults. Congratulations. Congratulations. Not us. That's why people love this show. Because we found a way to F up even the biggest celebration. (laughs) They arrested this guy who may have killed four to ten women and we're telling you it should have been done sooner, but there was a cover-up with the FBI. And they announced Eddie Caban as a police commissioner and we're here to tell you we don't care that he's Puerto Rican.
8: Stop saying it.
7: That's why we're number one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we got a lot more great guys stopping by today.
8: Arthur <laughs> Dollar. You're going to hear it more today, too. You're <laughs> going to hear more lauded. Uh, oh, yes. Spanish.
7: oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yes. Bring J-Lo on today. Hey, Rod, bring them all on. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk to Arthur Dollar, Judge George Grasso, and also Carrie Lake, live from the great state of Arizona. But first, going back to Justin Ellick's point, Michael Jackson. Still beloved and revered, rock with you.
0: Sit in Friends in the Morning, seventy seven WABC.
11: Took my love, took it down Climbed a mountain and I turned around And I saw my reflection In snow-covered hills Till the landslide brought me down Oh, mirror in the sky What is love? Can a child I
7: Mentioned landslide. They were talking about a landslide victory on TV, and I joked around with Lou. I'm like, ah, here's a chance to play Stevie Nicks. This is over an hour ago. This guy has a brain like no one else. Lou Rufino. That's why he's the best ever at this job. He is the best ever. He's Irish. I must say that. He's not Puerto Rican, but he's Irish, but he's still the best ever at this job. You know, this song. I love this. Make this louder. This song has had so many artists do it. This is the original Nix and Mac, but on my phone right now, I've got three different artists doing this song. I've got Billy Corrigan, Smashing Pumpkins. He did it. And the version that became really popular before they started messing with Bush was the Dixie Chicks, who are now just called the Dixies, I believe. They got rid of chicks. Or the chicks. Chicks. Which one are they? The chicks. chicks. Yeah, the chicks.
8: Dixie is not. Right, that's the bad word, right? Dixie is a bad
7: word. (laughs) Dixie cups, bad word. Um, I don't know what song. Maybe you know this. Maybe you should call uh, our good friend Jim Kerr, get him back on from Q, uh, what is it, Q104. What song has been remade the most? But you're talking about between the Dixie chicks, Smashing Pumpkins, Fleetwood Mac. These are like really big groups that did this song. New York, New York. Got to be a ton of
8: folks. You think?
7: Yeah, because you had uh, Elvis Presley, you had Paul Anka, Frank Sinatra, Liza Minnelli. That's off the top of my head. I don't know who I'm missing, but... What do you think is the most uh, remade song of all time?
8: We gotta think of a mm, like a Beatles song or something. Like, you think it's uh, a Beatles song? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm. Yesterday or, or uh it wouldn't be Let It Be or Hey Jude. Something like Johnny Be Good. Or you something. think so? I don't know. There's a lot of. I know, but you're a musical genius. I just you put, you're putting the pressure on. I can't. I can't work like that.
7: Alec, do you have any guess? Now, thank you. <laughs> That's why he's the best.
8: Uh-huh.
7: You heard it right there.
8: Now he's going to go back and find out what you asked him. <laughs> yeah, even you know what I asked him.
7: <laughs> Gnome's not, uh, I don't think Noam is great with music. He's a very well-rounded guy. He's a tremendous news guy. Trem- and he's very funny. I actually miss his segment on this show, but if I say it again, I'll get in trouble. So I'm going to say it once. But um, do you have any <laughs> clue as to maybe what the most remade song in terms of versions of a song. Covered single, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I don't know. God, yeah. nothing nothing pops up in my head right away. All
7: right, We'll find out.
0: That's Maybe a Beatles Google. song? Could it be, um, I bet it's a Beatles song. Yeah, I'm that's, with, I'm well, with Lou's. Well, that's what Lou said. Oh, I didn't
7: song. hear gotta him
8: yeah. say that.
7: It's got to be like Hey Jude or something. No, know. it's not Hey Jude. Um, Tom Cosmo checks in, a friend of ours. Here they come. Now he said Hallelujah. Yeah.
8: Oh, yeah. No, I don't think so.
7: You know, let me tell you, I thank saw, you. A couple. it actually made me cry. I was, and I went backstage, it was great. Um, who's the blind opera singer? My God. Oh, uh, Andre Bocelli. Andre Bocelli, thank you. So I saw him a few Decembers ago. It was magnificent. My friend James Orsini, who takes me to see uh, Bocelli every year. In fact, we're going back with Stephen Van Zandt this December. And uh, he sang Hallelujah with his daughter, who's nine years old. And has the most beautiful, angelic little face and voice. And I was sitting in the audience sobbing. I know you guys are shocked knowing me. I cried during the Flintstones, but, but it was so beautiful. That may be a part. Pop- now they're all coming in. Let's see. I think even Joe Nolan has checked in. Joe Nolan goes with White Christmas. You know he may be right. Oh, uh, Chris, yeah. Christmas,
8: songs. Christmas songs, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know you yeah. can't yeah. count. You know you
7: can't. Uh, we have to exclude Christmas songs. Okay. But that's a good call, Joe Nolan. Very good call. But you got to exclude them. Joseph Aboud says, "Your song by Elton John," which I don't know anybody else who sang it. Nope,
8: yeah, not no, not me. That's not going to be. A you
7: research. know, your song by Elton John. We played that last week, and I was crying. And, uh, and that was the song that Joe Abood walked down the aisle with his daughter. They played that song. Jamie Cerner says White Christmas, but no Christmas songs.
8: Okay, and if you, if you get rid of that, because yeah, right. it's going to be a Christmas song. Right, because song.
7: you know that everybody did White Christmas. Everybody. I see
8: the Beatles yesterday. I cheated and I yeah.
0: looked. I just looked. Oh, you cheated You looked? Yeah, yeah. Can
7: you give me a hint without without telling me? Um, well, it is the Beatles. It is the Lou, i got to give you credit for that.
8: Okay. All right,
7: so you name I've, the Beatles. I, 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 I uh,
8: blurted le- it out, maybe, but I don't know Good if that's call. the same one that. But oh, I, I, you did put it out? Yeah, you didn't hear it, though. So maybe All right. The, the war a is... one? No. What is it? <laughs> I <am a> wall. <laughs> the lead singer,
0: it was Paul McCartney who sang it. Okay.
7: I'm going to go with um Yesterday. That's right. Yes. Is it really? Yeah. That's How many different versions of Yesterday?
0: Uh, a lot. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, it has the most cover versions of any song ever. Let's see if they give me an actual number here. Yesterday? I'm half the man
7: I used to be. I got a good vasectomy. How I'll believe in Yesterday?
8: That's your version. That's yes. a good one. Yes. So yeah. So you see, you've already covered it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many you got? I don't remember anybody else doing it. Me neither. It. But I, I'm guess i guessing they did a lot of songs that weren't even theirs too, in the beginning. Mike
7: <laughs> Sullivan says, "What about Push' Push in the Bush by <laughs> Music?" that's all well, We there. already
8: know the answer. So.
7: <laughs> yeah. No, I know we know the
8: answer.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Could you give me a couple bands that did yesterday? Uh, Just uh, Justin. Your name is Noam. I'm sorry.
8: Uh, <laughs> good sorry. question. It's okay. Well, I don't. Well, you have
7: so many versions of the damn song, you can't name one other person who did it? That's uh, crazy. Ray Charles did one. No, Ray Charles, okay. Well, Ray Charles also stole and did the best job of it, uh, America the Beautiful, didn't he? He did. Right. Uh, Pellicito Domingo did a version Oh, I used to love Pellicito Domingo. One of the great opera singers ever.
8: Uh, Sinatra, actually. Did, did he did really? Version, yeah. Oh, my God. Interesting.
7: Yeah. Anybody alive? Uh, uh, in Vogue. In Vogue did a version. In Vogue. They were good, too. I used to like them. They were all about that lady band. Yes. Mm-hmm. Any chance MC Hammer did it? Uh, okay. I don't see an MC Hammer. Oh, Marvin Tone Loke. Gay. Tone Loke doing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, oh. Stop. Yesterday. Yeah.
7: <laughs> you're not going to get this with Permanent Redout. I promise you that, folks. I promise you you're not going to get this. All right. Thank you very much. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222.
0: Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
1: Yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. Yeah. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe yesterday. Suddenly, I'm not a to man. I'm Shatter hanging over me For yesterday Came suddenly Why Did she have to go I don't know She wouldn't say But wait a minute I I said something wrong Not long For yesterday
7: Oh, my God. I'm going to say something sacrilegious. He's better than McCartney. (laughs) Good good luck
8: with your... uh,
7: I'm sorry, this is better than the Beatles, our own song. A little more here, Ray Charles. Yesterday. Man, he was good, huh, Lewis? There's not a song he couldn't do that didn't come out great. According to our next guest... Author Idala, in terms of the songs that have been remade the most, yes, yesterday is number one. Number two, Audie's favorite band, The Rolling Stones. I can't get no satisfaction. Number three, Elvis Presley, Love Me Tender. Number four, Billy Jean, Michael Jackson. We played him today, and number five, another Beatles song, Eleanor Rigby. My Way by Frank Sinatra. Number six. With that said, of course, with Rec in, in custody, I want to talk to a lawyer who has dealt with high-profile cases and tried to defend people that seem indefensible, and that is the great defense attorney, Arthur Idala. Artie, good morning, buddy. How are
10: you? All is well. All is well. And yeah, this one would go uh, would go into record books is uh, defending someone who is indefensible, but you know. A lot of times, Sid, and people have to wrap their brain around this, you're really defending the process more than the individual. You're just making sure that everything is being done the right way, that the search warrants were executed properly, that the arrest was done when they had probable cause, that the rules of evidence are being followed. And then, you know, if if that all plays out, Look, even though I, people think it's crazy that I say this because I'm a criminal defense attorney, I pray to God that everyone that gets arrested by law enforcement is guilty. I mean, who, who in God's name wants to live in a country when innocent people are getting arrested? So you know, I hope when people come into my office that the cops got it right, because I don't want to live in a country where they're just scooping up the wrong person just because they got to clear a clear case. So, you know, you sit down. So I know you asked me, what would this case be like? Well, first of all, you said in my office. Well, I wouldn't be meeting the guy in my office. I'd be having to go to some jail cell to meet with him, which I do. Right. It's, fun- it's funny
7: you say that because my wife, Danielle, is also a tremendous defense attorney, not the high-profile cases necessarily. She's got one huge one, but not necessarily the ones that you and tack have on a regular basis, but... I've asked her this, and, you know, she's very, very serious about the confidentiality with the client. So even though I sleep with her every night, she really doesn't tell me anything. But I've asked her about some of those jailhouse meetings when she first meets the quote-unquote bad guy, if you will. So go ahead, tell us how this one would go if, in fact, you went to jail today to visit Mr. Ewerman.
10: Well, I mean, look, there, there are times when a guy or a man or a woman comes and sits down and just comes clean with you. And, you know, they just tell you, look, yeah, this happened, and this is why, and this is this, but they got this wrong, or that's not correct, or it wasn't as bad as they're saying that it is. And then there's other times where, I mean, I could tell you a story where, I mean, this is a while ago, but I represented this kid on a homicide, and he swore to me for two years before the case went to trial He didn't do it. He didn't do it. And he had an alibi. And we were looking at the alibi. And he was insisting on going to trial, insisting on going to trial. And literally, we picked the jury. Now I'm going to stand up to do my opening statement. And he goes, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. I go, go, you can't talk to me. The jury's here. And he's clearly panicked. And the judge sees he's panicked. So she gives me a minute. And I go, Judge, he wants to go in the back and talk to me alone. So we go in the back. And I go, Annabelle, what is it? What is it? He goes, all right. All right, I'm going to come clean with you. Oh my God, I did do I did do the murder. Oh God, I, I go now. You're telling me that? Oh my God, I go. The jury is out there. Oh. I go, he goes. I know. Da, da, da. And, I, and because the, the evidence wasn't that great, and that I, I got the guy an eleven year plea. It was a drug dealer on drug deal. It wasn't like he went and killed some mother of three or something right. like that. Right. They had a drug deal dispute in the middle of you know in the middle of Brooklyn somewhere. So there's sometimes where again this guy told me for two years he didn't do it, and then as I'm, I'm about to open, he admits to me that he did it. <laughs> but then, but but that's not typical. Typically, but well, let me, but let me come ask you this: well, but, what but,
7: but, but wait a second, you prepared for this guy as if he was innocent. That's that's your job. Even after he says to you seconds before you're about to face the jury that he did it. I would imagine that nothing changed for you, right? You went out
10: there and... No, no,
7: no, no. No. No.
10: I I went out there and I said to the prosecutor, I need to talk to you. Oh, you did? I said, look. I said, he's willing to take a deal right now.
1: Gotcha.
7: And
10: I was like, what's the best you could do? They went outside, they called their supervisor. Right there, boom, 11 years.
7: Well, you know, people that that I talked to about this, they seem to think, uh, and again, the kid confessed to you, there's a lot of attorneys that I've spoken to, not as uh, good or as famous as you, that do think eventually this guy is going to confess. Now, we know over the years, we've heard about these coerced confessions. I mean, I'll tell you this, Artie, and I mean this, and nobody loves the cops more than me. You know that nobody does. I'm still not sure they got the right guy who killed that gorgeous Italian girl running in the park by Howard Beach. I really don't think that was the guy to this day. But they got a confession out of the kid, and uh, and that's the end of it. Do you think that uh, there'll be a confession here? Now, do you think if there is one, it's because he really did it?
10: Well, you know, I mean, I've I've looked at a lot of the evidence here, and it's all circumstantial. And just so your listeners understand, what circumstantial evidence is: what a judge tells a jury, circumstantial evidence is if someone walked into a courtroom in the middle of the trial and they're soaking wet, and they have an umbrella that's soaking wet, you can assume without that person testifying that it was raining outside. So there's no eyewitness coming on the stand and saying, yeah, I saw it raining, but you could assume from that evidence that it was raining. So that's the kind of evidence that they have here with the triangulations of the burner phones, with the, with the uh, computer searches that he did, with uh, the DNA match, with the hair match. Well, I, that's what I was going to so
7: ask it, you. I mean, the other stuff is one thing, burner phones and that, but the, the science, DNA, how is that not more uh, than circumstantial evidence?
10: Well, because it's not—it's not what's called direct testimony. There's no one taking the stand saying, "Hi, I'm Sid Rosenberg, and I was going to shopping at Joseph's Boot Store in Madison Avenue, Forty Ninth Street, and I saw that man who's sitting right there, the defendant, take out a gun and shoot Cock Robin." Gotcha. That's direct. That's direct evidence. Gotcha. Circumstantial evidence is, is putting every other piece of those puzzles together. So I don't know. I mean, this guy is clearly—you know—I mean—a way nuts. Forget about everything else, Sid you and I cut from the same cloth when it comes to this, the searches on his internet about 10 year old girls and what he wanted to see them doing. I mean, I would hang the guy up right down from his big toes and just let it drain <laughs> out until he, it's over with. I mean, I mean, that is a sick, really sick, I mean, 10 year old girls, what the frick and beating in this, I mean, really guys on a whole other level of insanity, but in terms of going back to what you said about the Italian girl and, and, and confessions, the first case, the first big case I had at the DA's office, I walk into the precinct. It was it was six, seven people, I think, were shot in broad daylight in the Fulton Mall in Brooklyn. And the kid gets arrested. They bring him. I, the mother hires me for, like, a pittance, but it was my first case, so I was taking anything. And I go in, and I know the detectives. They think I still work in the DA's office. They're like, yeah, Roddy, we got a confession. We got a confession. So I go in, and I see the kid. And we had a a, a saying in the DA's office, only the guilty can sleep. So if you walked in and the guy's sleeping and he's charged with something, that means he did it. But if he's falsely accused, he's freaking out. And this kid, he was freaking out. And I walked in and I go, he goes, I didn't do what I do. And I go, bro, they got a confession out of you. He goes, you know how they got the confession out of me? He goes, the cop put the gun in my mouth. and And he told me exactly what to write. And God bless. There was one great detective who knew me from the office who pulled me aside. He goes, Arnie, something is not right here. This kid wrote down the wrong type of gun. He was standing in the wrong place. He goes, there's like three or four horrible inconsistencies here. you got to dig deeper. Long story short, I dug deeper. The Brooklyn DA's office worked on it. The kid was 100% exonerated, and they found the real killer. And there was a full written yeah. confession yeah i mean look so, I, the,
7: the girl deserved better than what i gave her she was a beautiful young girl the name was katrina Vitrano, that was her name Katrina yeah. Vitrano. and the kid they arrested, chanel lewis weighed about 40 pounds soaking wet and i had no idea how physically he could even do the crime and why he did the crime and i still don't believe he did it that's fine god rest her soul if he did it great but i still have my uh my questions but uh, going back to this do you think then that he will confess do you think they'll get a confession from this guy
10: no I think I think basically what's going to happen is his lawyer will, will analyze all the evidence. He'll meet with him. I don't know what role this guy's wife is playing, and then he went through. You know, but you meet with the family. You just lay it all out, and you say, "Look, here's the analysis, and this is what they have." And then they they changed the ethics law recently, where if they ask you your opinion, you have to give your opinion on what you should do, whether you should take a plea, whether you should go to trial. So you give your opinion. And then it's up to them. I mean, yeah. there are some nut jobs who say uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this to trial. But here this guy's got I mean, they're never gonna give him a plea where he can see the light of day. So it it's really he doesn't really have much of a choice. He could either go to trial and lose, but at least he gets to be out and about for two months during the trial, or you know, he just takes the plea and loses. And the thing is he's old. I mean, look at Justin Volpe, the police officer. You know, I think he he's been released after getting sentenced for 30 years. Yes. I think he's younger than I think he's younger than you and I. He is. So oh, he is. Yeah. He still yeah. has like a whole hunk of his life ahead yep. of him after yep. doing all of that jail time. This guy is not in that position. Nobody's going to let him out. And look, I was texting with Ray Tierney last night. Um, I do need to correct you. I know you like to be accurate on everything that you say on the show. Um, there's that other radio show that we don't talk about. After John TV simulcasts on AM 970, there's another show afterwards. And on Friday, right after the press conference, there was a guest on named Frank McKay, who actually is a Long Island radio broadcaster. He happened to be on a show that has a bald lawyer as a host, and he said so there has been a cover up through the last two administrations uh, of not pursuing these murder cases, and it's because that area. Is known to be like a little sex cultish kind of yeah. area. So, so far, so far, so far, we, so
7: far, we've had all this with Curtis Slewa He gave the names of prostitution ring. Do we've they, had all on, this. And I even it, brought did it up he do, it, did he do it on
10: Friday. They do it on Friday. Huh. They made the arrest.
7: Well, no, you have to understand. The arrest came. I was off the air. So, okay. <laughs> right, okay. right. So, so right, I came in. I came news. in Monday morning, and Curtis Slewa uh, dropped this bomb. He named Burke. He named uh, Spoto. All these guys, and you know, Peter King was I on. I know
10: you want to be accurate. All oh about no, me. I I
7: am well, no, accurate. In fact, in fact, uh, Peter King denied it. He said no. The FBI was there right away, and then I had Ray Tierney. I know you spoke to him yesterday, but of all the interviews Tierney has done, mine with him yesterday was by far the best. I mean, by far. No,
10: there's no doubt about
7: it. And I, mean, I said I to was, Ray, I said, I, I said, Ray, listen to me you know, the the, the Burks and the Spotos and the prostitution ring and the FBI didn't get involved, and Ray said to me, Sid, the FBI did not get involved till I won in two thousand twenty-two. That is twelve years after they found the last body, almost sixteen years since the murder started, and nobody can give an explanation outside of Curtis and maybe your friend Frank, who said, listen, some of these guys ended up with these girls, and they did not want the FBI anywhere near that. Peter King denied it, but it turns out Peter's going to be wrong here. And Curtis and McKay and all these guys are going to be right, which makes this even uglier than just a uh, you know, yeah. a serial
10: killer. You're, you're, you're correct, because apparently the FBI expressed interest in getting involved, and this is the part that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and they're saying the local law enforcement turned them away 12 years ago, 10 years ago. I don't think – I didn't think – maybe I'm wrong. But I didn't think local law enforcement had the power to turn the FBI away. I thought if when the FBI comes in and says, no, 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 this serial killers coming on here. you know, We're going to investigate – but according to what this guy, who's been working this case for a decade, told me, no, they turned it away, and the yep. reason why they turned it away is they didn't want the FBI nosing around. Right. And apparently, the like, girls. What, that, I, let me ask you: Have you ever heard of that area of, of Long Island, Gilgo Beach? Because I never have.
7: Well, no, I heard of it because I knew about the murders. I mean, I right. But besides besides the
10: murders, oh, no, I've never been out know? there. I've never been
7: out there. I, well, mean, I, I mean, I mean, Curtis went as far as to tell me. Uh, about, I think it's called Oak Park, which is a gated community where a lot of these girls, including Shannon Gilbert, Gilbert is one of the four girls possibly here, I guess. She was from Jersey City. That's how detailed Curtis was. What the hell was she doing in uh, Gilgo Beach from Jersey City if she wasn't, in fact, prostituting herself with one of these guys?
10: Wait a minute, I don't, Don't you're not allowed to use prostitute anymore? Now we use the term sex worker. What is that? Sex worker. Whatever. Which God, I was correct. Yeah, was <laughs> yeah go, no, know. Well, you don't use prostitution. <laughs> yeah. you use sex worker. Oh, uh, whatever. Like, what is it like a sanitation worker? <laughs> or a sex worker.
7: Ay, 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 ay. A eh? No matter. No matter how you look at it. In all honesty while everybody's running around congratulating, and they should. Ray Toney, great job. Rodney Harrison, great job and way to go. And even though there may be another murderer out there because we're not sure if this guy killed 410 or all 18, while they're all congratulating themselves, there may be, and there is going to be, an even uglier cover-up story involving these local guys and the FBI that may
10: dwarf what Rex Uriman did. Well, don't forget, two of the main people are in prison as we speak, the former police commissioner and the former D.A., not the one before Tierney. That was Tim Siney. But before him, Boda, he's in she's sitting in prison at 80 years old and his police commissioner sitting in prison. Is Burke still, still in, in prison? Up. Are you sure Burke is still in prison? I don't know, maybe he's out, but he got he got sentenced yes. to prison. And, yes. And, yes. And, and so did the DA himself, which right. is I mean, right. think about it. The DA is in prison. That's a prison. he's out. Yeah, he's out.
7: Yes, he is out. Um, either way, it is uh, it's an ugly situation. Do you do you think Artie, based upon the evidence that you've seen and uh, just uh, this guy and his makeup and all that, do you think he is the lone
10: killer for all these bodies missing? It's too hard to say. I mean, I will tell you this. I heard, in, and Ray just said this in his press conference, they wanted to continue the investigation. They wanted to keep it going. But he kept sort of seeking out prostitutes, and they were afraid he was going to kill one of them while they were surveilling him. Right. He you know, said at some point public safety is more important than solving the, the, the crimes of people who have already been deceased. But I would not be surprised. I listened to a long 911 tape of one of the other girls who was missing, and there's clearly two men in that tape, who are talking to her, and she, she's found in a puddle, in a shallow puddle, Shannon, that's forget her That was Gilbert. Name. That
7: was Shannon Gilbert.
10: Right. Right. <laughs> There's she... clearly two voices yeah. Yeah. of two men in that tape. So, I mean, this investigation, in my opinion, is really just beginning. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe, maybe, and it's a long shot, but it wouldn't be the first time the feds have done anything like this. Or the state government has done something like this. Yeah. They sit down and they say to the guy, look, these other families need some closure. If you want to see the light of day, if you want to get out of prison at 85 years old, we'll give you a plea to 35 years, but you got to tell us X Y and Z. Yeah. It's a, it's not it's not unheard of. Now,
7: last 60 seconds, it's your job. I get it, okay? Somebody has to defend Harvey Weinstein. If you can make money, why not you? Just like Takapina. Somebody had to defend Joron Banderslute, even though I'm sure he killed that girl in Aruba. Why not him? So I'm not judging your character. In fact, I think you and Tak are both some of the best men I've ever met in my whole life. You're both wonderful guys. But if, in fact, this case, hypothetical, fell in your lap, could
10: you go to work every day and defend this guy? Because, yes, because i 'm not really defending him i 'm just defending the process i 'm making sure that no one thinks it 's okay in America, even if someone 's guilty to kick in their door to make sure in America, even if you think they 're guilty to chop their phone because that affects every single one of us, and they 're doing it more and more they 're in our they 're in our grill, they know what we're credit cards we're charging where easy pass we 're going. What what tolls we're going through when we go through the – I'm sorry, what train stations we're going through, these are all of our liberties that we're protecting. We're just making sure everyone is playing by the rules. That's the bottom, bottom line. And if everyone plays by the rules and the guy's guilty and he gets sentenced to life in prison, then so be it. Alan Dershowitz said it best. He wasn't defending President Trump at the impeachment hearings. He was defending the United States Constitution. And if we lose – the checks and balances of making sure we play by the rules, then we lose the United States of America.
7: That's a great job, Artie. A great conversation. As always, you never disappoint, my man. Thank you so much. Have a great day. We'll do it again very, very soon. All great right. job.
10: Stay handsome. I'll see you, you later, bro. You
7: too. There he is. My dear friend, I do love him. Fame defense attorney, Arthur Idala. That was a great conversation. That wraps up our number three. We're not nearly done, folks. Judge George Grasso recently lost to Melinda Katz. The D.A. in Queens, but he's got some stats for you about cops, the real crime stats. And then our new friend, she got job in the race for governor in Arizona, but she's still talking. And maybe Donald Trump's person for VP, who knows? Harry Lake, all that coming up, fourth and final hour, sitting friends in the morning.
0: Radio seventy-seven WABC. Boy, this is "Sit in Friends" in the morning.
1: Friends, how many of us have been
0: seventy-seven WABC.
6: Is there anyone on that stage you see as potential running mate, as
2: your VP? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I think you have some good people on the stage. Actually, I think you have some very talented people. I've been impressed by some of them. Some of them I'm very friendly with. Actually, uh, a number of them called me up. Not to ask for permission, but sort of to ask for permission, to say they'd like to do it. A number of the people up there, uh, I'm not going to embarrass them by saying who, but no, I, I think you have good people. I think you have good potential cabinet members, too, actually.
9: Uh, who, who is that? Well, who, I don't want
2: to mention that. I think I can't.
6: Do you see yourself perhaps with the senator, Tim Scott?
2: I think he's a very good guy. We did Opportunity Zones together. It's uh, never been talked about. It's one of the most successful economic development things ever done in this country. And Tim is very good. I mean, I I could see Tim doing something with the administration, but uh, he's in right now campaigning, and I'm sure Tim and everybody else would say I'm only interested in one. But Tim's a talented guy, and uh, you have other very talented people.
7: With Donald Trump there talking to Maria Bartiromo, he was going to say Carrie Lake, who I still think has a real opportunity to be that person. You know what's weird? You know what's really weird? And maybe he's listening, although I doubt it. Because I think he's back in Florida, not in Jersey. Carrie's on hold. Last time Carrie was here, she was here to promote her book, Unafraid. And she was here with my friend Sergio Gore, who was here weeks before with Janine Pirro. And this is really weird. So she's on hold. You're playing that cut from Trump. Sergio, 9-11 a.m. Sid, POTUS said yes to joining you in the very near future, FYI, because Trump is coming back on. He goes on to say, tell Carrie, Sergio said don't be late today to the book signing. I guess she's got one at the villages. So with that said, here she is, my favorite from the state of Arizona, Sid Rosenberg fave, Carrie Lake. Good morning, Carrie. How are you?
6: Oh, that's so funny. Good morning, Sid. He, he could have just texted me that instead of embarrassing <laughs> me in front of all of New York City. But that's okay, Sergio. <laughs> Isn't it weird, though, that back with you. he had no idea you were
7: on hold, and then you've got this book signing today, and he texts me. That's pretty weird timing, right?
6: That is weird timing. You know, I, the stars are aligning, and he's maybe he's spying on us. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. So uh, you heard he the... To my phone. Right. You, you heard the... Oh, listen, it, uh, not him, but uh, certainly there are others who may be doing that. But you heard what uh, right. Trump said there to Maria Bartiromo. Tim Scott's name came up. He didn't bring it up. Maria did. And uh, this uh, question has been asked of you before about possibly being his running mate. Uh, any thoughts on trump's answer yesterday or two days ago
6: you know we're we're in such a great place as republicans there's a huge amazing group of potential as trump said cabinet members for vp whatever he's just got so many people to choose from I mean you look at the democrat party and and i it 's like the they're brain dead over there. And we've got people who have no qualifications in all of these positions. So I think President Trump's in a great place. I know he'll pick a great person, uh, whether it's Tim Scott or whoever it is. And and I've said this before. I, I will say it again. I am out speaking about President Trump. We've got to get him back in the White House. His Agenda 47 is transformative. It will get us out of this nightmare that Joe Biden has put us into In very short order. And I'm confident he's going to pick great people. I really am, especially now, because we figured out who the snakes are. Right. We know who the traitors are, the people who stabbed him in the back. So they won't be part of his new administration. I think he'll pick some really great people. I'm not worried about it. I am um, speaking about him and about his agenda because I care about America. I want nothing in return for it. I, You know, I'll be doing my own thing, and I know that when President Trump gets back in office, he's going to turn things around quickly.
7: So you were here about uh, three weeks ago, and uh, your book, Unafraid, is great, and, and I read it. Uh, you asked me, have you read my book, and then I showed you a picture. I actually took a picture of your book on my nightstand, literally two feet away <laughs> from my pillow. And uh, and I read uh, Trump's forward, which was great. And, he, you know, he had you out in Bedminster literally two or three weeks ago for your book party. He came out. He loves you. But that didn't stop the evil media from going out there and putting out a whole bunch of stuff. I think it was uh, the Daily Beast. I don't even remember. And they said, you know, the president really doesn't like Carrie Lake. And I know you said, I'm not going to give it any breath. He didn't come on. But you're on now, so we're going to talk about it. Because you tweeted, I think, just yesterday that there are people out there that are still saying things about you, which are complete lies, including that you and Trump don't get along. What the hell's going on here?
6: Well, I mean, we just – we can't believe anything the fake news prints. I mean, Daily Beast, that's the the outlet. Isn't that the one that started the whole Russia collusion thing that was a complete lie? Yes. And who knows? I think they maybe even knew it was a lie. They peddle lies to try to get fake stories out there to get people – you know, all up in arms about things. And I thought it was funny. You know, you did, you texted me at like 4 a.m. I don't know why I was awake that early. said, can you come on this morning? I'm like, um, the whole house is sleeping. <laughs> I don't want to give this, this complete lie. Did, did, by the way, did, 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 did
7: I wake Jeff up or no? Honestly.
6: You know, I think I was awake. Sometimes I wake up, at, you know, and I'm just wide awake. It's 4 a.m., but I, I'm not really wide awake enough to go on the radio. No,
7: but I mean your husband, um, did, I, did I wake Jeff up?
6: No, no, no. I have my phone on silent, okay. so you're All you're right. okay, good. But no, I mean, it's just a, it's a complete lie. They they put that out. I mean, two weeks earlier, they put out some BS story about me living at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, how how ridiculous is that? And then the, that two weeks later, I'm on the outs. And and in between there, I did a book launch uh, party at Bedminster. So <laughs> I'm I'm not on the outs. I love President Trump. He's amazing. I have the utmost respect for his family. Melania is absolutely the most incredible woman, most incredible first lady, and I'm I'm actually doing an event tonight at the Villages here in Florida with Don Jr. and Kimberly. So you, what I'm trying to tell you is you just can't believe anything. There's not even a sliver of truth to these stories, especially when they say some unnamed source or anonymous source or a insider with the Trump world. It's just they're grasping at straws, and I don't know what to tell you other than they're just printing lies, which is right. a shock
1: to me. No,
7: they do. And, uh, by the way, the Villages was a great place, and uh, we all love uh, Junior and Kimberly, and that's going to be a great event down there in the state of Florida tonight. But, of course, you and Trump, besides the fact you're both Republicans, besides, you know, you love him, he loves you, he wrote the forward. he had you at the rally in Arizona, besides all of that, Uh, You got job, both of you. You know, he's still yelling and screaming that he won that election in 2020, and they took it from him. And, of course, we know that you won the gubernatorial race in the state of Arizona, and they took that from you. I know it's not exclusive to just you and Trump, but these are the two most high-profile examples of election fraud we've seen in the last couple of years. So no matter what happens, Trump and Lake always have that in common, yes?
6: I wish we didn't, but yes. Um, You know, and and I think they have been um, putting their thumb on the scale in these elections for a long time. You know, as they made elections more and more complicated, bringing in machines, I call them black boxes. We don't even know how they work. They won't let us see, they won't explain how the machines work. They're using software here in Arizona. We just learned the entire software used for our Maricopa County election was unapproved software. It was not the software they were supposed to be using. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. They've made elections so complicated, and the more complicated they make them, the more corrupt they are. We need to go back to really simple, you know, old-school Election Day voting, paper ballots, you show an ID, you count it right there in the precinct, and you have the results that night. For those of us who are old enough to remember, that's how it used to be, and we had faith in our elections, and now we don't. And, you know, we are not free people, Sid, if we do not have fair elections. And this is happening around the globe. Venezuela, Brazil, these countries turned into these Marxist nightmares because they brought in these machines. Yep that are easily corruptible, that the components are made in China. So China's making the components in all of these machines that are controlling elections around the world. And you wonder why the world's going to hell in a handbasket. (laughs) Because their plan for us is to turn us into a state controlled by the CCP. And so I'm fighting for honest elections everywhere. Every state needs to improve because I truly want us to be free people here in america and i want to save our country
7: on a local front my dear friend tom sullivan he may be listening now i know his brother michael is he got job too he actually won an assembly seat in queens but nepotism was his enemy this lady stacy Pfeiffer amato whose father was a judge his mo- mother is a politician he was up about 300 votes uh when nobody voted basically and somehow weeks and weeks months and months later he lost So that was a local election, didn't get the press, obviously, of a Carrie Laker or Donald Trump. But as far as I'm concerned, Tom Sullivan won that race, and congrats to him. I do want to get into this uh, cocaine story, Carrie. Carrie? Uh, they found cocaine at the White House. Now, look, I think it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I think Sean Hannity last night embarrassed himself. What he did he do with Kellyanne Conway when he said, what if it was anthrax? Well, it wasn't anthrax. It was a bag of blow. And i got to tell you the truth, Carrie. It's not like it's just Hunter Biden that does coke in Washington. We're only a couple of years removed from the Secret Service getting into trouble for prostitutes and drugs. So while it would be nice to know who dropped the cocaine, it's becoming this huge story. It is not a national security crisis. What are your thoughts on the cocaine bag?
6: Well, I mean, it's not – maybe you could say it's not a national security crisis, but it, it's definitely degrading to our, you know, beautiful White House that is the, the, the people – you know, the people well, – this is the people's house, right? We own this house. We own this – we are supposed to be in control of this government, although right now I don't believe we are. It's just an embarrassing – it's another depraved um, episode out of the Biden crime family And uh, I just missed the days when we had President Trump in there and everything was running smoothly. Right. And it was respectable, even though the media lied about them. Yep. I think it's worth getting to the bottom of it's a crime. You know, for a fact, if it was a Republican sitting in the White House, this would be the biggest story on planet Earth. And now they want to just, you know, brush it under the rug. I don't think so. I want to get to the bottom of it. We need to find out. And I'm, we're tired of this two-tier justice system where if it happens on Biden's time, Biden's yeah. watch, yeah. that nothing – there's never justice. There's never fairness. And I think the American people are really tired of that.
7: I, mean, I, I agree with almost all of it except – in this case, I think it's dumb. That's just me. Um, of course, it wouldn't be Trump because his kids don't do cocaine. Eric or Jr. Hunter does, but – I just think sometimes we grasp in our efforts to, well, you are gonna act like that. We're going to act that way. And I think we, we could be better than that. And if they find out, great. If they don't, nobody dies. Our country's not under any security crisis. It was a bag of cocaine. For me, let's move on. Uh, I do want to talk about I'm
6: the. Hey, listen, this is a guy, Joe Biden, who's yeah. turning a blind eye to the the biggest invasion on our border with drugs being trafficked at uh-huh. a, an alarming rate. Right. So he doesn't care what the drugs coming over the border. He doesn't care about the drugs in the White House. He doesn't seem to care about his, his son being um, a drug addict. Right. This is this is just a guy who is absolutely the worst president. I hate to call him that because I think he's more of the resident um, that this country has ever seen. And they want us to believe he won 81 million votes. Huh.
7: I don't believe that either. Uh, tomorrow, the IRS whistleblowers are set to testify in front of the... White House committee talking about cocaine and Hunter Biden. What do you think, Harry Lake, ends up happening here?
6: Well, you know, I think it's great that we've had some whistleblowers come out who finally have had the courage to speak out on what's going on in the Biden administration and and with taking on great risk doing that. I don't know what's going to come out of it. Um, I'm impressed that we're at least doing um, some digging into it. And and thankfully, we have a Republican-controlled Congress right now or, or House where they're actually doing some investigations. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I mean if you if I had to take a wild guess, a, a slap on the hand. Right. I don't right. think right. it's going to be much. Right. And they're going to to discredit these um, whistleblowers. And so we'll have to wait and see. Right now things are we're, we're an upside down world. Planet crazy. And so <laughs> I don't I, I can't take reason and logic yeah. and apply it to what's yeah. happening right now because this seems uh, to be a time where re- reason and logic don't
7: matter let's uh wrap this up where we started nice little bow here carrie lake and that is we started with trump and we're talking about his uh vp mate another big story is august 23rd that first republican debate milwaukee wisconsin same place by the way where the republicans will uh will of course crown their winner of the primaries uh long story short here he is not going to debate that night Uh, i personally wish he would because I think in the in the fairness of competition, and he's the best at it anyway, he should go. He's got nothing to lose. He's up fifty points anyway, and he's fun to watch. Uh, I know he has the right not to do it. I'm not going to kill him, but personally, I wish he would. What are your thoughts?
6: Hmm. You know, I see the argument for both. I went it through my whole campaign, 525 days, and my Democrat opponent would not debate me. I think it's more important in the general election. You know, the, to me, the primary is over. It's it's the B team, maybe the maybe the D listers versus a giant named Donald Trump. And so it's kind of like, why even do that? It's, why even waste the time and the air and the effort? Concentrate on taking down the uh, deranged Democrats right now. And so I, I see his point. It's always fun to watch President Trump on on a debate stage because you know he will go in and clobber them, and it will probably be six against one, maybe eight, because you got to throw in the moderators who will be trying to take it down. <laughs> right. And I think for us, we we want the entertainment factor out of it. We want to be able to say we we got to see another Trump debate, and they're and they're legendary. But you know, I don't think it's necessary. To me, it's over. It's already over. We already know it's going to be Trump the nominee. They're trying to convince us otherwise, but. We're too smart for that and concentrate on taking down um, Biden and, and whoever the Democrats throw at him.
7: I certainly agree there. It is over. It's been over now for quite some time. This idea that all of a sudden DeSantis is going to gain steam and come on strong is ridiculous. He's had opportunities. He really has indictments, arrests, things going well in his own state. And he falls further behind. Well, just to, and Yeah.
12: He looks so weak. Oh, he looks looks terrible. Terrible.
7: By by the way, you're you're in his state tonight with your book signing with Kimberly and Donald Jr. What if the governor actually showed up? Well, what kind of greeting would he get from the lovely Carrie Lake?
6: (laughs) I don't think he'd get a good greeting in Florida, to be honest. I mean, he he didn't come for the turning point event. And I think he knows he's not. The people of Florida are really, they're really, you know, pissed off at him right now. He he runs for re-election collects a whole bunch of donations from many of them Trump supporters who were donating to DeSantis. And then he wins and he says he wants to be governor. And he immediately starts running for president against the people of Florida's favorite president, Donald Trump. And then he takes that donation money that they gave for DeSantis for governor and transfers it over to his presidential bid running against Trump. So, people who don't, who are Trump supporters who donated to DeSantis are now finding their hard earned money going after the president they love. That, to me, is unethical. And the fact that there's an insurance crisis underway here, can you imagine in the middle of hurricane season, people are losing their homeowners' insurance through no fault of their own? And DeSantis is nowhere to be seen. They get a big storm down here, there's going to be a whole lot of people in a whole lot of trouble. And DeSantis is gallivanting around Iowa. And New Hampshire, where he's he's people aren't even interested in seeing him. Yep, it's true. And, and he's walking around in in baggy jeans, and he doesn't look like a serious contender. And so, I don't think he'd get a good. Um, I know he wouldn't get a great response down here. He's always welcome to come to any of my events. I would welcome him, and I'd love to have a conversation with him—a real honest conversation about why he would take the most horrible political advice destroying his political career when he was ready to skate in in 28 he took advice from people like jeb bush and paul ryan and carl robe to run against a giant named donald trump i mean what is he thinking it makes me think his his thinking skills are not very good
7: well, these are and all great was, points yeah you know, you're right you're right no he blew it he, he could have sat back like you said and You know, Trump wins, and then we get another Republican in 28. He wins. He wins again in 32, and what a life he could have had. You're right. He took advice from a bunch of losers. Those guys were all losers. Anyway, you are not. You're great. Uh, The book is Unafraid. I've read it. It's great. I recommend you read it. Carrie Lake is a real American, a great American. She'll be in the villages in Florida signing books later on tonight, then back in Arizona. But keep coming back here, Carrie, because I love having you. Thank you so much again for a great conversation.
6: Thank you, Sid. And you can text me at 4 a.m. anytime.
7: (laughs) (laughs) And I will. You know, I will. Thank you. (laughs) I did do that. All right. Good luck tonight, Carrie. God bless you too. Carrie Lake should have been the governor in the great state of Arizona, but who knows what's next for this fine American and great lady, my friend Carrie Lake. We'll take a short break. We'll talk to Judge George Carrasso. Keep it right here. Sitting friends in the mornings
1: in the
0: 77 W.A.B.C. This is Sid and Friends
1: in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
7: Oh, one of my favorite songs ever, Talking Head, Psycho-Killer. Remember last week, Ardy Adal and I got in a little bit of a disagreement, if you will, not a fight. Over the crime stats, he was saying, well, you know, it's Blasio, it's safer, and it was it was much worse back in the 70s, and that's fine. And I said, well, you just can't trust the numbers today. You just can't because a police are not making nearly as many as arrests. Why would they? Got to go through all this hours of paperwork, and the creep is out of jail in 15 minutes. So people aren't reporting it as much. Cops aren't arresting people as much. So I'm not really sure. I was alive back then. If it's better now, I don't believe all the stats. Anyway, we kind of went back and forth, and then I got a text from Judge George Grasso, who was a cop, and he uh, most recently lost that uh, race to Melinda Katz for the DA office in Queens, although he did a very good job, and we did, uh, on this show at least, he was our choice. And Grasso wanted to come on and give some of those numbers as well. So here he is, my friend Judge George Grasso. George, good morning. How are you?
5: Good morning, Sid. And let's be clear, I didn't lose the race yet. What, we, what, what I did do is I came in second in the Democrat primary in Queens. But as you know, uh, the race st- is still on. I've got a public safety line, and I'm on the ballot in November. And in November, I'll be able to get all the Democrats who voted for me in uh, June along with Republicans and Independents. So this race is still uh, very much
10: alive. I want to make that point clear. Okay,
7: good. Now, last week uh, you sent me, a, I guess, a column you wrote, and you said that uh, you're on vaca- going on vacation with your wife. You had the show on at the time. You heard yeah, me and Artie go back and forth. Right, and you wanted to provide some more data on that discussion. So go ahead, fire away.
5: Yeah, well, a combination, a combination of data and personal experience. Because as you may, I I was appointed to the NYPD in November 79. So I was a young foot cop in in the early 1980s and, and, you know, part of the team when Braden came in in the early 90s as a captain to turn things around. And you look at the CONSTAT data, I happen to have it up in front of me. I I believe the CONSTAT data is as good to real data as you're going to get. So, so here's the thing, and, and the beauty of the way we've done it, we didn't have ComStat data until Commissioner Brad and then Jack Maple came. Until then, we were just literally making it up as, as we went along. So in those days, we had the, the subway situation, remember the graffiti scenario? I mean, people, New York was like as the movies that were coming out were famous movies were like Escape from New York with Kurt Russell. I mean, it was I remember my footpost on Merrick Boulevard in Southeast Queens and Jamaica. You know, they had, we, we had smoke shops Then in the mid-'80s. We had crack houses everywhere. And when you look at the, the ComStat data, they go back 30 years. I mean, we're down. New York City is down in the seven major categories, murder, rape, robbery, felony assault, burglary, grand loss in the auto, over 70% over a 30-year period. And and I believe those are real numbers. However, which I also indicated to you when I texted you after that, what your your perception that things are really getting very bad are absolutely true, and that's going well, not out.
7: To, hold on, time. not just my perception, yeah. George, but again to belabor the point. Cops are not arresting people. This bail reform has proved to be a real motivator for cops not to do it. Hours of paperwork to have the creep back out in fifteen minutes. So, of course, uh,
5: you know I, I don't want to hear agree about agree more. Yes, yeah, okay. So agree we'll more. Throw that in there. What I was, th- and that's borne out by the statistics too. So over the two-year period, over the last two years, guess what? Those seven same seven major categories of crime. That they're down over 70% over a 30-year period. And guess what? They're now they're up about 40%. And in Queens North, guess what? They're up about over 60%. So the numbers bear out exactly what you're saying. The trend lines are all bad. And you know, for you know, I could not agree with you more about so-called bail reform, discovery reform. I mean, look at the, the, the insanity of the, the New York State bail laws. I heard your interview yesterday with D.A. Tierney. He mentioned that he's got a, a might be in court on a bail application under the current state of the laws in this state. All the defense has to do is convince the judge he's quote unquote not a fight risk. Right, judge could let him out. That's insane. 49 other states and the federal government can do danger- dangerousness. I read the affidavit that Tierney's submitted. That's about as strong a case as you possibly can get. Right. We have a dishonest system. Everything you're saying is true. Another thing that I think is actually worse now than it was back when I was a cop, uh, well, a foot cop and all of that, and, and patrol. The, the the level of like the lawlessness that you see on the streets that are not subject to these to being captured by the data, which is part of your point. I'm talking about the things like the um, the, uh, the the theft, the, the rampant shoplifting. Right. I'm talking about I'm talking about the drug dealing on the streets now. That's not being captured. The amount of drugs that are being dealt with fentanyl in the street. We can't capture that on Comstat. Based upon these bail laws, then now you can sell this poison with sentinel, and it's an unqualified offense. And you don't face balance. Yeah, and they're putting in cocaine. They're putting in impairment. judge, judge, so and judge, judge, not
7: to stop you, but forget about the dealers yeah. for a second, because in the seventies and eighties, there were certainly dealers everywhere. I knew almost, I knew a block in every borough that uh, blocks and blocks. But how about what we have now, which is vending machines that encourage yes. druggies to do drugs. And how about people that are shooting up right on the street? I'm not talking about just yeah, a couple of blocks
5: worse. in the Bronx. Those things are worse. They're absolutely worse. And furthermore, all of that, this is insane, vending machines. Meanwhile, look at the overdose numbers that we have. Look at the thousands of people dying. That's worse, too. Right. So I mean, if, I would have, if, if, if
7: I would have yeah. said to you... And my dear friend, Paul Giacomo, who runs the DEA, just texted me. He's listening. Well. Yeah, He said, bail reform has emboldened the criminal element. There are no consequences. He's exactly right. When you were a cop, you know, he would have said, are you scared to take the subway? And most people would have said yes. Are you scared to go to a bad neighborhood? Yes. But I will tell you that I will. I doubt that 70-plus percent of people back then who lived in all of New York and all the areas would have said they don't feel safe. I doubt
5: that. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what? Back in those days on the subways, I think you were the community very no, well. No, on the subways, yes, number.
7: but I'm not talking about the subways. New Yorkers generally 70% feel unsafe just walking the streets. The subways, yes. Yeah. Back then, that's why Bernard gets carried a gun. I get it. But New Yorkers feel unsafe just walking the streets 70%. I'm not sure that was yeah. the case in 1978.
5: I don't know. Uh, yeah, your perception, I think your perception is, is absolutely correct. And I'll make this comparison to you. In terms of the different perceptions then and now, notwithstanding the overall crime data over, you know, 30, 40 years is is much better data on the on the seven majors, but not on some other things that we can't capture. You know, the concept of a frog being boiled in water, you can put a frog in. And you heat it up slowly and slowly and slowly and the frog just kind of goes with it until the <laughs> frog is boiled to death. Well, that's kind of like what happened with the crime as we got into the seventies and the, you know, it was like, it, there's a great film called Gotham. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's sponsored, it was produced by the Manhattan Institute. If you haven't seen it, see it, Sid. It's apropos of what we're talking about now. You know, the timeline from, like, the early and mid-'60s, like when John Lindsay got in there and they, you know, they was going to save the world, they going to give everybody welfare, you know, it backed away from crime, fighting, and the police officers uh, uh, were, were reacting in some ways going into the seven. Now, there were bad corruption scandals like the Knapp Commission in those days. But what the, the reaction was, remove all authority from police to like do drug, to, to do drug busts and things of like that, things that Bill Braddon restored when he came back. So that crime happened over a period of years, over a period of decades, and people just kind of were accepting it in some respects. So I think the perception issue that you're raising is a very valid, well, what happened here is completely different. We got this city to record, when I say we, I'm talking about when I was in the PD and the entire law enforcement community that I was so proud to work with for over 30 years. We got this city to record levels of public safety, homicides under 300 when they were up over, over 2,000, commensurate decreases in shootings and robberies and felony assault. And then we got the Rikers population. This is a very important point, too. There's a New York Times article yesterday about um, the U.S. attorney saying that there should be federal receivership on Rikers Island. You should read that article. One of the things in that article they point out, in April of 2020, the Rikers population in New York City was under 4,000, under 4,000, the lowest numbers we've seen since 1946, right in that article. Now we're over 6,000. Last go. time I looked, we were about 6,200. There you go. This is what what, what happened in April of 2020. Fair law.
7: Right, exactly right. Criminal yep. justice yep.
5: reform. Yep. What Paul DiGiacomo was talking about. No, I the know. Criminals are emboldened. Yes. Everything is worse. Everything is worse. That
7: was my point with Arthur. I'm going to bring you back because I'm going to endorse you come November anyway. You're my choice because you're the most common sense guy in the borough. So we will talk again and very, very soon, Judge. Thank you so much for hopping on today. That's a great job, and we'll do it again very soon, Judge Grasso. Thank you so much.
5: Thanks, Sid. I appreciate the opportunity always.
7: God bless you. My friend, uh, God bless you. My coworker and uh, dear friend Doug Kisler checks in. He says, 1970s getting robbed and mugged. Now, crazy people killed. Norman Seabrook, my friend Norman, checks in. He says, morning, brother. In order to change the bail laws, you have to change the policymakers. Nice point, Norman.
0: 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No,
1: I get by with a little help from my friends. Once that? You've decided on a killing. First you make a stone of your heart and if you find that your hands are still willing, then you can turn a murder. My into boy Stink
7: hearts. oh Sting. He cool. Really so like I'm on Stern. You know that Howard Stern actually uh the other night popped on live? He's off the whole summer. He's off the whole summer. He's got the best deal in the world, man. Works three days a week, makes about a half a billion dollars, has to up like a teacher. But he was in his house in the Hamptons in his basement, had a bunch of these horrible people over, and he just turned on the mic and was live. And I only know that because Marianne from Brooklyn, I love her desperately. She's a real Brooklyn gal. I really wanted her to run for Brooklyn Borough President a couple years ago. I think she could have won, but anytime Howard does anything, she is compelled to report it, so... My Instagram, I'm laying in bed trying to go to bed. It's blowing up with Barry Ann from Brooklyn, alerting the world that Howard is live. I didn't go, listen, mind you. I don't care that much, but it's cute, her uh, loyalty to Howard. She's got loyalty to me, too. That came later.
8: Can't have it to two people. You
7: no, know, she does. No, okay. Let me tell you what she does. Monday through Wednesday, Howard. Thursday and Friday, me, because Howard's off. And the summer is all me. I'll take it. I don't mind being second. That's all right. Second to Stern. I mean, it'd be one thing if she wasn't listening because she was listening to Len and Michael
8: three days a week. That's it. But nobody and, does that, not even the people that work there. anybody them. else, you'd throw a conniption fit. I no, yeah, yeah, can't yeah. imagine anything you care more about than 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 coming in second. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't mind in this case. I, see, I, I
7: my issue is <laughs> mediocrity that all of a sudden is turned great. That's my issue.
8: Well, okay, well good turn great.
7: It's a lot in this business, trust me, a lot. But if you're great, you're great. I'm okay with that. Hmm? There's just not a lot of greats left. It's just not. There's not. I mean, Imus was great. He was great. He's dead. Well, Howard right. was great, and he still is great, but he's on satellite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, Mike Francesa was great. He's retired. Chris Russo is basically retired. You know, Craig <laughs> you went to TV. I mean, yeah. I mean, who's great?
8: You? <laughs> <laughs> Joe B was great.
7: He's not on anymore.
8: I, well, I still hear him. But
7: he's well, Yeah, I mean, okay.
8: Did you say he was interviewed? Did D- uh... D- you realize there was a
7: time where okay, every sorry. station had somebody great? <laughs> every station had somebody great at some point during the day. Now, some stations had three or four legends a day. FAN, for example. This station, I guess. You know, when Limbaugh was at the top of his game and he was alive, he's gone too. And Sean was actually trying and not doing the same show every day, talking about cocaine for 18 hours. You know. Simone, I mean, is Simone great? I don't know. He's good. He's very good. He's solid.
8: a good guy. But is he great? Well, he's good at what he does. He's good. He's at- yeah, he's very good. Is he great? Nah, he loves nah. me, so I'm going to say he's great. I like him, too. But <laughs> is he great? I don't think he is. I'm, you know, Who's great. Yeah, it's hard to say who's great right now. That's what you were waiting for no. me to do that, I think. That's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'll be a Rails. That's later. a very I, good, good Mark Simone. Yeah, not really. I just know he she <laughs> scrambles all <laughs> over the <laughs> place. That's all I know. That's it. I, I can't do anything else.
0: Radio seventy seven WABC.
1: that's driving me, aunt, is going away. She's got
7: Oh, it's like the Beatles' breakfast with, um. Harry Harrison here today. Eddie's Cazzari's favorite show ever. Although we did play yesterday the Ray Charles version. We'll do a ode to the Beatles one of these days. One of them has to die, McCartney or Ringo, and we'll just do that.
8: I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then
7: we got a really big show tomorrow. Peter King, which Larry's going to be here tomorrow. We bumped him for the great, talking about great John Katz and on Monday. I think Rodney Harrison is going to be here tomorrow, the Suffolk County Police Commissioner. Curtis is going to be a Curtis, that is the can't-miss segment of the day. All day on this radio station, you cannot miss Curtis. This guy gives out more real New York information than anyone. And uh, I think I made a, a brilliant move by putting him on all five days. He has uh, stepped up to the plate. He's like Otani, Curtis Lever. He's the Otani of WAB.
8: Wow. Inch, pitch,
7: and hit. That's it. Yeah, he does it, he does it all. He does it all, my man. All right, we done. Lewis, you were beautiful today. Justin is always great job. Noam Layden. I got a great team, folks. I really do. I'm a very, very lucky guy. I could be great. I got three guys at me that wrote their asses off and are all really talented. And the good news is we'll all be back again tomorrow at 6 a.m. on your favorite radio station, Talk Radio 77, W.A.B.C. Until then, good luck tonight, Gaby boy. Peace! Come on! Get out of my face, you son of a bitch! You're the thing's do right by
1: me Before she gets to say the past You're the thing's do right